You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. One of the lowest ranking podcasts in the world. World. We heard your demand for timestamps, and we chose to ignore you, just like your high school years. You'll see Jake with a tramp stamp before we start using timestamps. Sexy tramp stamp Jake. What we're trying to say is, we don't do timestamps, and we never fucking will. I just said the F word. So stop asking, you red bastard cunts. Cunts. <laughs> Welcome to the Timestamp Free Zone. This is Pop Culture Leftovers. Episode 452. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall. It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And you the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, it's Greg Sestero. You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Check out The Room and my new horror film, Miracle Valley. What a story. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Joe. And we're We're the leftovers. Leftovers. Come on, Joe. Get with it, man. I thought that one was way better than last week. It was better, but it it was – you weren't like right there with me. Just like once you (laughs) – once you, <laughs> it was a little bit better. It was a little bit better. I guess it was only better in the way that I didn't immediately jump on your ass. This is true. So little steps. <laughs> yeah, the tiniest of, right? <laughs> very small. <laughs> You're very hesitant with the intro. <laughs> anyway, we got more important things this week than to, you know for me to. Uh, bitch about uh, Joe's uh, uh, lack of, uh, I don't know, solid participation in the intro. <laughs> you ever wonder how big Andre the Giant's dick was, Joe? Oh, dude. Like, if it's proportional to his body, that guy was carrying a hammer. And if it's not proportional to his body or it's like just like the, you know, like regular average dick size on a body that big, it would just be tragic. Yeah, imagine if – because I think like Andre had to have like a fucking tree trunk log of a dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Imagine, just imagine if like Vern Troyer, mini-me, had a bigger dick than Andre. <laughs> Dude, that would be some – that'd be a quirk of genetics right there. Right? Because yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that – I mean Andre's body grew throughout his entire life. Even the organs, like his heart and stuff like that. That's one of the reasons why he was dying, I think. Don't quote me on this. I'm not a fucking doctor. I'm not a physician. But I think his heart was growing too big as well. Like some of the organs were growing as well. I don't know about like, you know, your fucking male organ. I don't think that that, that can't continue to grow throughout your lifetime. That's just that's just like that's set in stone, right? You don't your dick just doesn't I've never heard of that happening. 
No, I've never heard of that either. And to tell you the truth, I'm afraid of Googling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did Andre the Giant's dick continue to grow during his life? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody at the NSA is like, this guy's really fucked up. <laughs> I'll do it. Fuck it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> It's like last week it was grandma porn. This week it's Andre the Giant's dick. What is going on with this? Exactly. Guy? Oh my god. I want to see Andre the Giant like fucking play play a game of softball instead of using a fucking bat. He's just using his own dick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got a guess. We got we got a guess. Right? What's that? <laughs> it's all in the hips, right? <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of fucking uh, Happy Gilmore there. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Weathers. It's all in the hips, baby. <laughs> Welcome, Paul. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Exciting. You ever wonder about uh, how big Andre's dick was? I have, yes. I feel like Jason Lee and Mallrats talking to Stan Lee, where the only thing he could ask him was about superhero dicks. Yeah, it was Ben Grimm's dick, and it was about Wonder Woman's womb and Superman having sex, and if it was like a shotgun blast through her back, if he fucked Lois Lane, all that shit. But, like, this is real world shit, man. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about superhero stuff. I'm talking about Andre the Giant's cack. I'm just going, like, I remember there was a Howard Stern interview years ago with um, a wrestler called The Big Show. Um, he was the giant in WCW and oh, I'm, said, I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, he was, uh, I think he was like captain, uh, captain orgasmo or something in the water boy or whatever his name was. Um, but, uh, he said that, that he could not, like he could not insert it into his wife the whole way because it would like actually, it could be very like, uh, it, like it could hurt her like in severe ways. So I have to think if a guy that size who was a couple inches shorter than Andre the Giant, I mean, man, like that has to be like I'd have to imagine the guy. Height has nothing to do with dick size, though, you know, I know. But like just I mean, I don't know. I know, man. It's one of life's greatest mysteries. Google it. I'll Google it. Do it, Paul. Google it. You get back to us. You get back to us on this is this is hard hitting news. We need to know this thirty years after the death of the man. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I I got brave and Googled it and I'm on like a Reddit post from eight years ago (laughs) under no stupid questions subreddit. How big was Andre the Giant's penis? And it's mostly just people making jokes about it. One person has a link. Uh, that goes to saying there's no correlation between height and dick size. So, dude, it could be that tragic one where he's just got like, you know, giant dude, but with like a micro penis. That would be a real bummer. Oh my god, Two yeah, dick. Oh my god, yeah. Oh god. <laughs> I mean, the average in America, I think, is just under six inches, and so even with like an average hog on him, it would still be. It would just look tiny because he's such a giant of a he's man. Such a giant guy. He was so big huge yeah big show bragging about his big dick yeah he's probably fucking i can't even get near my wife all the way it's so big (laughs) (laughs) i could kill her let me (laughs) let me tell you about how big my dick is howard (laughs) jeez come on 
be humble about your penis. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a scene in Bedazzled, also with Brendan Fletcher. Where, where Brendan Fraser. Fraser, man. What did I say, Fletcher? You said Fletcher. Yeah, I don't know what was up yeah. with that. Fraser. Guy's, guy, um, guy's probably going to get nominated for, for his performance in The Whale, and you're calling him Brendan Fletcher. What's crazy, too, is that I just listened to his episode of the the Fly on the Wall podcast earlier today. So it's it's wild that I got his name wrong. Joe, Hol- Joe holds him in high reverence. <laughs> <laughs> so much that I, get, I get his name wrong. Um, Brandon Fletcher. I love Brandon Fr- Fletcher. He was so good. So good at Encino, man. Joe even gets fucking Pauly Shore's name right. Even, you know, but <laughs> – Encino, man. Fat, man. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. Uh, I, I was going to say there was that that um, that one character that he played in the movie Bedazzled where where he was the NBA player, but he had a tiny dick. And so he's like, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, my God. And then he wishes for a huge dick and he ends up being gay. <laughs> like, he can't even use it on Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's classic. I haven't seen I I remember enjoying it when it came out. I haven't seen it and I you know I've done I've done the whole Joe Aliens approach with that movie where I haven't seen it in like, you know, 30 years. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Joe's going to get Joe's going to be like, "That's criminal, Brian. That's cr- how could you not watch that in the past 30 years?" <laughs> I don't see the leftover army making memes to shame you into watching it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, if they do, I probably won't see them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got contest winners. I almost said wieners there because we were talking about Andre's big or small dick. We don't know. <laughs> I want to track down one of like Andre's exes and be like, so how big was it? What was he packing down there? Anyway, we got contest winners for On the Come Up. On the Come Up was uh, the movie that uh, you could have entered to win one of five digital copies. I've got some winners here. I've got Monica Garola, Alfredo Tostado, and Steven Chavez. And that's it because nobody else entered. So thanks a lot, Leftover Army, for coming through on that one. Really appreciate it. So I'm going to give the other two copies to uh, one to Paul and one to Joe. Congratulations, guys, for just showing up this week. That's more than anyone else did. So eighty percent of life is showing up. Yeah, heard Andre's dick showed up before everybody. (laughs) Andre's dick showed up before everybody in the room. It was so big. I, I don't know, man. I'm curious, man. You think it would be the thing of legend? Like guys in the locker room would still talk about it to this day. You know, like he's a wrestler, right? You know that they had to probably like shower in front of each other and all this shit, right? Yeah, but those are egomaniacs. Like, you know, Hulk Hogan would probably be like, I have the actual 24 inch python. 24 inch python penis. Yeah, (laughs) I had the anaconda, brother. I just I just stick the vitamins straight into my dick hole, brother. <laughs> All I can think of is Macho Man saying the cream of the crop now. <laughs> oh man, greatest promo of all time. Oh yeah, <laughs> Okay, all right. <laughs> I was just to the top. <laughs> 
cream of the crop rises to the top. Oh, yeah. Pulling out a coffee creamer. Snap into my Slim Jim. It's not so slim, though. Oh, yeah. I can't do a macho, man. I try. Oh, you got a good, yeah, that's a damn good impression. Yeah, it's all right. It's serviceable, Paul. You know. I I hope that wasn't like the word they use about Andre's cock, serviceable. <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> I you know what I mean. Just, I hope he got a looks a lot of looks from women that are like, no, uh, uh-uh, not today, no, not that's not happening. Nope, uh, uh-uh. uh, they just walk out. Nope. I mean, for real, you'd think it would have to be so big that if the thing gets fully hard, he like gets dizzy and blacks out <laughs> because that's where all the blood in his body's gone. That was the rumor about John Holmes. The guy with like the 12 inch dick in porn, they said he couldn't get all the way hard because too much blood went down there and he'd get dizzy and pass out. <laughs> it's true. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I heard. Didn't Val Kilmer play him in a movie? Was it Val Kilmer that played John Holmes in a movie? Oh, shit. I don't know. I think it was. I think it was Val. Kil- <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, my Google hates me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite home, Sherlock or John? <laughs> yeah, you played him in a movie called Wonderland. <laughs> Wonderland, yeah, Wonderland. I remember that. Anyway. Guys, I'm, uh, we haven't done this in a while. Got an iTunes review. Ooh, all right. Yeah. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really want to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dubach and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole who's Gotta pump up those iTunes reviews numbers, man. 2022 was the worst year for our iTunes reviews ever. Like, terrible. It was, like, shameful. It was sickening. Gotta pump up those numbers, as they say in Wolf of Wall Street, as Matthew McConaughey hits his chest. Gotta pump them up. Anyway, we did get one. Good one. And it comes from Check It, 1245. And it's titled Around the World Love This Show. Puts love in all caps. Around the World Love This Show. And it's a five star. Listen to you guys living on international assignments in China, Latin America, and now I'm back in the US. The only show that makes me laugh out loud. I can listen in the car, in bed, at the gym, and I learn about all things entertainment. Such a great escape. Thank you. Keep going. And that came from Check It 1245. International assignments in China, Latin America. You think this guy's like in the CIA? Do you think he's like maybe a sniper or some shit? He's got a spy <laughs> listening to you. He's a spy, he's man. Cool, dude. Yeah, he's like <laughs> listening to me talk about fucking Martha Stewart as he's like popping some guy in the head. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like set up in like a sniper nest somewhere, one earbud in, giggling while he's shooting people. <laughs> he misses because he's laughing. <laughs> oh man, there's another there's another casualty. Yeah, he accidentally shoots a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Yeah, you know, you know. Sometimes you know, in order to make an omelet, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jimmy. Yeah. No, thank you for the iTunes review. You guys uh 
Guys have been uh, lacking in uh, contest participation, iTunes reviews. So, no, not, this is the episode, Joe, where I just chastise the, the listener. <laughs> That'll bring him in. That'll bring him in. Oh, yeah. Good. Chastise them and not me. <laughs> oh, Paul, you're next. Hey, Paul. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> where, um, you're with uh, – is your feet up now? It is up. <laughs> Maybe like Andre's dick. We don't know, but it is up. We are back. Yeah. So, Paul, tell people about your podcast. We are Apple to Oranges. We we reviewed um, all the Apple TV Plus content, all the new stuff, and we – lots of stuff has happened, streaming stuff. uh, People had some medical issues and just life happened. We're able to finally get all that back on track. We found a new streamer or a new – hosting site as you will uh which is really funny our apple podcast is being run by uh spotify's anchor (laughs) anchor engine which is great but um no we're back and we're back with uh we are uh gonna be cover going back to our roots we are covering the third season of mythic quest and we dropped with uh, a review of the first two episodes awesome Um, but it's it's up, it's live, it's on feeds. It was so great to be finally after like three months, three to four months, to be able to actually talk to June and Jess at the same time. Um, it it was it was kind of like riding a bike again. It just we just had fun and we talked about Mythic Quest and just you know fucking just had a fun time so i'm so glad to be back i'm so glad to actually be able to be like yes you can listen to us we're on something so um i've shared it before but i can share it again in the leftover army on twitter but yeah any 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 people that subscribe that would be that would be fantastic for us yeah yeah it it was getting embarrassing there for a while paul oh 100% and you definitely you definitely, you definitely tried to make me not feel embarrassed by it. No, no, no. I hate, I hate, you know, I hate, you know, piling on the shame that one should feel when they're, you know, doing what you were not doing or doing. I, you know what I mean? Oh, there we go. So, you know, I no, it was full support on my end. It was full support on my end. I wanted to be able to 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 put all the like the entire old feed. Into this new one, and we just realized that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And it, it just sucked, and then a lot of stuff, you know, life, just lots of life things happened, and, you know, I'm not I'm not proud of a lot of it. Like, I wish we could have kept it up, and, you know, but we're back. Like, so it's going to be a fun time. There's, there's tons of new content on Apple TV, a lot of new content. So it's going to be a fun time. Oh, you keep telling yourself that, Paul. <laughs> I'm excited to get caught up on Mythic Quest and then listen. <laughs> it's going to be fun, man. I, 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 it's a, it's a great podcast for companion shows on on the uh, on Apple. You know, and a lot of those shows are just really, really good. I mean, Apple's been hitting it out of the park, and it's. I'm glad that you guys are doing it because right around the corner, we're going to be getting Ted Lasso season three. They're already teasing it. So. Oh, we got that picture. Yeah, we got 
We got some big stuff coming out of that. It looks great. Man. This is the final wait. season. It's the final Ted Lasso. They have like it's real funny. They did not say that in this press release. Like they said here, you know, the third season will be coming this year, but it never said final season. I think Apple's holding that hope that they can drop a bunch of money. <laughs> on a oh, yeah. And I think with the way stuff is going with like, you know, kind of the real situation of Jason Sudeikis, like I have a feeling we might get a couple more seasons out of Ted Lasso. Do you think you might he might pull from his real story or something? I honestly think he will. I I, I do. Like, I mean, because yeah. it's kind of already built into that, right? Right. Like, it is. Yeah. You know, and like a big part of it was that he wanted to come back in real life. He wanted to like he did that like filming in London because he didn't want to be away from his kids. Mm hmm. There's been some talks that Olivia Wilde has, even after splitting from Harry Styles, that she would like to move to London. Hmm. And so he could he could realistically still do the show in London and have his family like have his kids with him now. So I think it was very intentional that they didn't say this was the last season. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, I think. Three seasons is really tight, but man, if they have more story to tell with Ted Lasso, I'm there. I love it. Love that show. Yeah, but if they wrote it with just three seasons in my, like in mind, I don't know if I want you know that like a, a, anything after that will definitely kind of I don't know if it will feel forced or if they could find a way to make it natural, but yeah, just do maybe you, do a Ted Lasso movie. You know what I mean? I remember uh, I was really big into a show on the BBC called The Inbetweeners. And they did three seasons and, you know, they're short seasons and then they did two movies. And, you know, I think it was like the the first movie that they did, it was like the top grossing comedy of all time in, in England. So, yeah. Oh, wow. It's a great well, show. It's fucking – it's – if you've never seen The Inbetweeners, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. It is fucking hilarious. So good. Yeah. Yeah, but but uh, thank you for all your support and like, you know, pushing, you know, to like get the show back out there and not just you, but like, you know, like a lot of the listeners would message and and it just it just feels right to be back on. So I do appreciate everyone rallying us and, and keeping us wanting to do it. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. Let's see here. You guys ready to jump into good pop, bad pop this week? Let's do it. Yeah. Where the fuck are my bumpers? Why are they all the way over there? Come on, get over here. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had the I had the the uh, like the fucking the bumper palette like all the way over to the right of the screen. Jesus Christ. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. 
Joe, you've been watching a show that I have been championing for uh, about a year now. It was originally on Epics, which got rebranded now as MGM Plus. But Joe, what are you watching? I'm watching From. And dude, I, I remember you talking about this during the Tuppies and and just talking about it last year in general. Uh, it's it's from some of the producers and writing team of Lost, and so that right there has me intrigued. Lost is one of my favorite shows of all time, and the this show is is bonkers, dude. It's so wild. It's it's this these people that get trapped in this town that they can't leave the town. If they try and leave on the road, eventually they just end up driving through the town again. So it's like some sort of weird loop that they go through. And at night, these monsters come out that look like people, and the people in this town have to go inside their houses and lock the doors and windows. They got this weird talisman things that hang up next to the door, and these things come up and you know knock on the walls and the windows and the doors and try and convince these people to let them in. And if they do, these people just get horrifically murdered. These people go from... They go from looking like people to looking like some sort of horrific monsters, like in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And and you see it right away in the way that the first episode opens up. This this show just had me hooked from the start. Yeah, it's so good. It's it's wild. We are six episodes in so far. It's a ten episode season. And <laughs> the the first night we watched two episodes, and then I had the wildest nightmares. Like basically every time I woke up, it was waking up from a nightmare. And I mean, this show is super creepy the way that it's done. And one of, one of the nightmares, I, I woke up, I flung the covers off me and leapt out of bed. And then I'm like just standing there next to the bed, like looking around. I'm like, oh, it was a dream. You're in your room. It's night. This is the real world. There aren't any monsters that, that you know of outside. <laughs> But I've I've never had a show affect me like this, where where it just it it really took over my mind for a while, and it was like I can't help but think about it. It's like I wanna I wanna look it up and read things about it online, but I also don't want to get the story spoiled for me. So I'm just been really pushing through it, and we got four episodes to go. I'm so stoked on this show right now. I I'm very excited that there's another season. Really glad you put this one on my radar, dude. Yeah, everybody check it out. I know, you know, not everybody has an MGM Plus subscription, but it is getting a season two, so you don't have to worry about the show at least getting canceled. Uh, You're going to get at least another season. I don't know how many seasons they have planned for it. Um, So, yeah, check it out. It's uh, from on MGM Plus. It is incredible and really creepy, man. Like, the people that are trying to, you know, get in the houses, man, super fucking creepy, super fucking creepy. Yeah, they just have these like spooky grins on their yeah. faces. Yeah. And, and the, the, the townspeople that live there talk about them. They're like, they never run. They'll only walk after you. And, 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 the, and when they're knocking on the windows and doors and trying to get in, they just sound so reasonable. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And, and my favorite part of the way that they're laying out the mystery on the show is that the people who are in this town are trying to figure it out as well. And, oh, wow, it's it does have a huge lost vibe to it, too. Like before I even knew 
that you know there was there was um producers and writers from lost on the show i was like this has got a huge lost vibe and then i started paying closer attention to the credits I'm like, yep there we go <laughs> it's got multiple multiple writers from it on there and ooh, what a great what a great show harold uh harold Perrineau, uh plays one of the 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 leads it's an ensemble cast but uh harold Perrineau was in he was in lost as well he played michael I think it's like four ninety nine a month for MGM Plus. I could be wrong, but I think it's like five bucks a month. And so, even if you just wanted to get it for a month, check it out, burn through the series. It's well worth it. It's so good. Absolutely, um, Joe. You and I, uh, I believe you saw this in the theater. Uh, Paul did not get a chance to missing. Did you get a chance to see missing? I did. When her mother disappears while on vacation in Colombia with her new boyfriend, June's search for answers is hindered by international red tape. Stuck thousands of miles away in Los Angeles, June creatively uses all the latest technology at her fingertips to try and find her before it's too late. However, as she digs ever deeper, her digital sleuthing soon raises more questions than answers. It's a mystery thriller film written and directed by Nick Johnson and Will Merrick in their directorial debuts from a story by Sev Ohanian and the first film's director, Anish Shiganti. What I mean by first film is this is actually a standalone anthology sequel to the 2018 film Searching with John Cho. And, uh, yeah, he, I guess the, the original director talked about wanting to do like three stories that were all screen based. So everything that you see in this movie takes place on a screen, whether it's from, uh, a laptop, whether it's from an Apple watch, whether it's from, uh, a ring doorbell, everything ring doorbell app everything that you see in this story takes place on a screen it's a really cool inventive way to tell a story especially something that's you know feels very like true crime-ish in a way and it stars storm reed uh joakim d almeida ken lung amy landecker daniel henny and nia long and um yeah, so basically you have uh, – at the beginning of this movie, you're wa- there's, there's a very young June Allen, this girl that you're going to meet in the movie. Uh, she's 18 when you meet her in the movie, but there's an archive video of her and she's with her dead father, James. He died of a brain tumor uh, shortly after the video that you see was made and then cut to years later, June is – uh, her mother is leaving for a week-long trip to Columbia with her new boyfriend, Kevin, and she's telling June, like, you know, um, my friend Heather's going to come over and check on you. But June plans these parties and just parties and all the money that her mom gave her for her account, she's spending on booze and this party and shit like that. Things happen where she's supposed to pick her mother up at the airport, but her mom and Kevin never show up. And... She tells the police she doesn't feel like they're doing a great job in tracking down her mother in Colombia. So she goes and starts doing all this digital sleuthing online to try and find her mother. I mean, I was really impressed with all the creative ways she was 
trying to find out the whereabouts of her mother and what really happened, why she didn't make it. You know, of course, she starts with calling the hotel that they were at, blah, 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 blah. But then she hires a task rabbit over in Colombia. And that character that she hires, she FaceTimes with Javi. He becomes a big character in the story. And this Joe, I loved it. I I don't want to get into the end and spoil anything. Of course, with something like this, there's always going to be twists and turns. And you're going to know that if you've seen Searching, which was, again, it was one of my favorite films the year that it came out. It was in the tuppies for me. I fucking loved it. Um, I don't think this is as good as Searching, but my God, I'm still going to give this a Tupperware. I was hanging uh, on the plot, on the story as it unfolded. It's way better than it has any business being. Some of the acting, I guess, from some of the characters, I think, like at the end was a little ham-fisted and, you know, kind of chewing the scenery there. But overall, I fucking love the movie. I was really worried when I walked into the theater, Joe, because a woman came in with like her really two, like two young kids. Could not, these kids were so well behaved. I could not believe it. I was like, Oh, excellent. Oh my God. These kids are better well behaved than some of the fucking adults I've been in theaters with. This is, you know, I had no problem with this mom bringing her kids in there and watching this movie. They were super young. I'm like, why the fuck are you bringing them to this movie? But man, they, they didn't make a fucking peep. They were really good kids. Anyway, Joe, I tupper with the fuck out of this. I loved it. This is like right up my alley. I'm looking forward to the third movie. The only, I guess like, you know, first one was searching. This one's missing. Maybe. The third one will be called Hacking. I don't know. But um, what do you think, Joe? What do you think about Missing? Yeah, this first came on my radar um, when when I went to see Megan. It was one of the trailers in front of Megan. And, I mean, just the trailer for, for Missing triggered my anxiety. And so then when I saw it on the list for this week, I was like, oh, here we go. That looked good. And uh, I was not disappointed. This movie was an absolute Tupperware for me as well. I was so invested in in the story, in what was going on in this. And this movie's got everything. Uh, the The main character uh, is played by uh, Storm Reed. And if you've watched um, Euphoria, she's um, uh, the um, – oh, what is her name? The, she's Zendaya's younger sister in that. Exactly. Yeah, I was trying to think of her character's name in Euphoria, and I'm blanking on it. But yeah, she plays the younger sister in Euphoria. So – if you've seen that, you've definitely seen her before. And man, she gets a really juicy role in this. And I think she knocked it out of the park. Like I was really buying everything she was selling. Um, it starts off with this relationship that she's got with her mom. She's kind of distant from her mom. And she's really missing her dad that died when when she was just a little kid. And it, as soon as you know that presence that's always been around her mom is no matter how annoyed you know, June gets with her mother when, as soon as she's not there anymore, she's genuinely concerned and worried. And she just immediately goes into detective mode and starts using all this technology that she has at her fingertips. And I, I think I was like a good five to 10 minutes into this movie before it clicked with me with, Holy shit, this is all done on screens. Like I didn't know going in that this was a sequel to searching. Um, I'm embarrassed to admit, I still haven't seen searching. But as soon as I got home from the theater from this and was looking into it online and saw it, I, I looked into it. And, of course, it wasn't streaming anywhere. Um, but it's it's one that is really high on my list of wanting to see now just because I loved this movie so much. And with you saying that 
that you didn't think this one was quite as good as searching. It's like, dude, I loved this movie. So I would, I would imagine that that searching will really knock my socks off as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this movie has everything. It goes through a whole range of emotions. It's got some funny stuff in it. Not too much, but it's got the, the heart that is in this movie is incredible. Uh, the, the character Javi is one of my favorite side characters I think I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, I recognize the actor as well. Um, uh, okay, what what is his name? Uh, uh, Jesus, how do you pronounce that? Uh, Joaquim de Almeida. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's either Joaquim or Joaquim uh, de okay. Almeida. Yeah, yeah, he was incredible. I absolutely loved his portrayal of Javi. I recognize the actor. I remember he was the bad guy in Clear and Present Danger. That uh, Harrison Ford movie that came out in like the 90s and so i was like looking at him like oh shit that's that guy and he's you know he's not playing a bad guy in this he's a good guy and the the relationship that javi and june build throughout this and then the the stuff that happens that tests it and all that it was just a it was the cherry on top for me and the end of this movie brought me to tears uh i absolutely loved this movie um I, I wonder what the third one could be. You, you were thinking it might be called hacking. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's hard to think of like, you know, the first one was searching. It was basically John Cho looking for his missing daughter. And then um, this one was an 18 year old girl listening, looking for her miss, her searching, miss, looking for her missing 43 year old mother. It's like, what could the next one be if it's all screen based? I kept thinking like, you know, people get hacked. Maybe it's hacking, but I may be way off there. I, because like the true crime of this is I I think like the true crime feel of this is what I think really pulls people in. So he might be going might be wanting to go with like another story like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and you think it's going to stick to that that present tense single word. Um, I'm really intrigued what it could be, and I'm absolutely on board with whatever else they're doing. And yeah, is as soon as I find uh, searching to be streaming somewhere or. Maybe one of these days I'll just buy it on digital and just have it as part of my library because I could absolutely see myself buying missing someday. So if searching is is good or better than it, then it's probably something I should own. Yeah. Yeah. I think these movies are actually fun to like watch twice because like the first time you know everything that's going to – you know, you don't know what's going to happen. The second time you can kind of like – you know, now that you know what's going to happen at the end, you can kind of appreciate it a little bit more. I loved – Exactly. Searching so good. Um if you haven't seen Searching, I would seek it out and, and, and watch it when it is available to stream somewhere, you know, on a service, which I'm sure eventually it will be back on a service. But um, missing right now, if you've like there's kind of like between now and when, you know, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania comes out, it's kind of like there's it's it's like. Not a lot to really watch. I mean, go see Megan if you haven't seen Megan and then maybe see Missing. Um, but there's really not a whole lot that's coming out right now. So, oh, and uh, heads up, I am me and Connor from Cinefied.com are going to be going to uh, an early screening of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania on Monday, February 13th. And so expect a bonus episode where we just give our reaction to the movie. I'm going to let you know 
Like I'm going to be like, is you know, I'll either be like Marvel's back, baby, Kang all the way, or I'll be like, oh boy. So we'll find out. We'll find out. But I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Quantum Mania. But uh, that's you, exciting news. Yeah, I'm happy, man. I'll you'll I want you to come on, maybe ask me and Connor some questions about the movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Also, I just checked on Voodoo. Yeah, searching's on sale for seven ninety nine. I I might have to just get that. It's good. It's definitely worth owning. It, it, it's a great movie. John Cho's fantastic in that one, man. I was blown away because I was like, you know, you think about a movie where it takes place all on screens, and you're thinking, ah, and and, and, I've, and we've seen them before. It's not like this is a new thing. They've done it with horror movies, and I some of them are just not good, <laughs> you know. And I feel like uh, it can be. It can be used as a gimmick. And this, it's just done. It's part of the storytelling and it's done so well. It's masterfully done. So, yeah, there there wasn't a single time where I felt like, oh, this is a gimmick and it's getting old. It was just a very interesting way to tell the story. Mm -hmm. And with everything that June is doing to find her mother and the way she's using technology for the the search, it it just plays in and it makes sense with the way that they're telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, I felt like uh, the found footage shit just became too much of a gimmick for me after a while, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, there was too many people trying to bandwagon and, and make their own spin on it, and some of them were far more successful than others. I mean, they can't. Yeah. They can't all be the original Blair Witch or Chronicle, you know, or Cloverfield. I enjoy. I love. Yeah. I loved Cloverfield, but some of them are just like, come on, give me a break. Searching <sighs> is searching is fucking awesome. There you go. That's yeah. Yeah. I saw that a couple months ago, and like I was generally surprised by like the twist slash reveal mm-hmm. at the end of that movie, where I had to like instantly rewatch it again to be like, "What did I miss?" Yeah, yeah. like yeah. searching was fucking awesome. It's very good. It's very good. I was I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. I, I you know I know I I love John Cho. Um, and, uh, he really brought it in that movie. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. Searching's great. Missing's great. I, I, I'm giving it a Tupperware. I do think searching is a little bit better though. And maybe it's just because it was like the first of this trilogy. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Cause if it was the first one that used that filming method and it worked really well, I could see how that would set it apart in your mind as, wow, this was a very unique viewing experience. They've done it before in other movies, Joe, but I feel, I felt, and like I'd seen horror movies do it where it's all on screen. And, you know, of course you've got somebody look, you know, a bunch of friends on a zoom call and then like somebody's in the house and the friends see the person behind them. And of course, like, you know, they're, they're muted or something and, and they can't hear them. And like, you know, the guy kills them and they're watching their friend get killed on a zoom call. And it's like, okay, what I, you know, it, sometimes it's cool, but like searching was just so different. So anyway, let's move on to uh, the next movie. This movie actually came out. <laughs> like over five years ago and connor from cinefied said check it out and i was like i was like i'll check it out i'll check it out i I should put it on the list because this sounds interesting you can watch it on amc plus roku channel or even pluto on their on demand it's called mayhem and um it's uh derek cho is having a really bad day after being unjustly fired from his job he discovers that the law firm's building is under quarantine for a mysterious and dangerous virus 
Chaos erupts throughout the office as the victims of the disease begin acting out their wildest impulses. Joining forces with a former client who has a grudge of her own, Derek savagely fights tooth and nail to get to the executives on the top floor and settle the score once and for all. It's an action comedy film directed by Joe Lynch and written by Matthias Caruso. Stars Stephen Yun from The Walking Dead as Derek Cho, Samara Weaving as uh, Melanie Cross. Um, and yeah, so um, I... It reminded me of uh, the Belko experiment. And do you remember there was a horror movie that came out just like last year uh, and it was basically people turning into like zombies, but like they were acting out their wildest impulses and like, you know. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that the sadness? The sadness. Yeah, the sadness. So it was like a blend of the Belko experiment because this all takes place in like an office building and in the Belko experiment, you've got people going around. It's like Battle Royale. Uh, in an office building. It's like office space meets the hunger games or some shit. Um, and that was a great movie, uh, written by James Gunn, I believe. And I loved the Belko experiment, thought it was great. And so I was like, yeah, this is, this is a, this is a movie that's right up my alley. It's called mayhem. Joe, what did you think about mayhem? I, I fucking loved this movie. (laughs) It was, it was so good. The, the premise for it, I was right there from the very start. Uh, the the fact that it just makes these people, it, it like puts their id in control. So there's there's nothing in there to, to check to, to check yourself. It's whatever thought pops into your head, that's what you're going to do. And the kicker for it is, is that at the beginning of the movie, it explains that the first time this really happened in a large office building and a guy killed a coworker, he was able to be exonerated from a murder charge because they found that he wasn't in charge of his faculties at that moment because of this virus that was raging inside of his body. And so this guy essentially got away with murder. And when, when the virus is detected in this building where uh, Stephen Ewan's uh, uh, character Derek Cho works, the CDC comes in and locks down the building and says that, you know, you're going to be stuck in here for eight hours until the virus has run its course. We've put a neutralizing agent in the air vents, but nobody comes out until you're 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 all good. Well, in the meantime, this this main character, Derek Cho, has been fired. And so he goes on a rampage to make his way to the top floor where the executive levels are so that he can essentially get away with murder, killing his boss. And the the side plot with Samara Weaving was fantastic. The way that she was brought into the story and the way that she continued into it. Um, I loved I loved the soundtrack for this. It doesn't have a lot of music in it. It has got some tremendous death metal in it for these scenes where where people are really starting to think about dark shit. And it's just it has these flashes to like death metal playing. And uh, th- this movie was just a lot of fun. It was right up my alley. I-, I really like action flicks, and this one just made sense. It had a good plot with it. It was a really great story. The the acting was good. It was just just silly enough to to where you could just roll with it, and and you didn't have to question too much about what was going on. The violence in it was extremely gratuitous. Um, the the way that it shows the virus, just one eye goes red and so it's almost like everybody in this office is running around with pink eye or some shit uh 
but yeah, I, I fucking love this movie. This was my favorite thing we watched this week. This is something I see myself going back and watching like multiple viewings of. You gave it. It's a Tupperware then, right? No, yeah. It's an e- yeah, absolute yeah. Tupperware. I'm in a high taste it on this one. I loved it. I did. I did enjoy it quite a bit. I just don't know if it has like the rewatchability that it has for you. Um, and it just. I mean, I, it's going up against like you know the sadness and the Belko experiment, which I loved more than this. Um, but I love yeah, Stephen Young. The sadness was too much for me. That, that uh, yeah, movie I can was, imagine. It was too gruesome. It was. It was. <laughs> It was. That movie was way fucked up. It was. <laughs> this movie's fucked up, but it's like it's fun fucked up. The sadness yeah. is like fucked up, fucked up. Well, I'm fucked up, Joe. That's why I love the sadness. <laughs> no, I, I admit the sadness is fucked up. You got, yeah, like guys going around fucking people in their heads, in their like eyeball sockets or some shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. That that was the first scene that popped to mind. <clears throat> <me also. laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I told we that. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> So, see someone get their eyeball gouged out and skull fucked. Yeah, it's like we have the family sit around and watch the sadness. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I no, I like this movie. I, it's a high taste it for me. Um, uh, I understand. I guess it's just the, the 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 fighting and the choreography in this one. It makes sense that the that like you know people aren't. It's not going to be like the raid level or John Wick level or whatever you're watching. It's not going to be at that level because these people just work in an office building. Um, but I still kind of got bored with some of the the fighting and some of the stuff that went on. And I'm not the biggest fan of Samara weaving. I've only really enjoyed her performance in one thing. And that was the ballet. And I know she's huge right now. I just don't get the appeal. So she yeah, kind of, and see, <clears throat> I like her. Like I really liked her in ready or not. I even liked her in guns akimbo. So yeah. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of guns akimbo. I thought it was okay. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have, I, I don't have really much against her. I just don't think she's as, I don't think I I don't see what the it factor is with Samara Weaving. I don't get it. And it's not like I hate her. I don't think she's a bad person. It's just like she just isn't she doesn't she just doesn't work for me for some fucking reason. But I love Steven <laughs> Yun. I love Steven Yun. I'll watch anything he's fucking in. Um he was in that I believe it was Burning. Oh my god, that's a fucked up movie if you've never seen Burning. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> indie film. Really fucked up. He's in it. He's really good in burning. Any. I just kept closing my eyes and being like, that's the voice of Invincible. I know. I know. Uh, I'm glad we're getting him. We're getting new Invincible. It was announced, not not the date, but we're getting it in, in fall of this year. They said fall of 2023. What a great ad. It was. What a, what a great fucking announcement. Super meta. Oh, my God. It was so good. Yeah. And they're eating at a fast food restaurant with the initials BM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's Mayhem. And you can watch it on AMC Plus, the Roku channel, or Pluto. And now let's talk about Sick on Peacock. Paul, you did get a chance to see Sick, right? I did watch this, yes. All right. We haven't heard from you. So so I'm going to get your thoughts on that one first. Uh, it's uh, It's on Peacock. While quarantining at her family's lake house during the pandemic, Parker and her best friend are threatened by an unexpected visitor. And it's a slasher film directed by John Hyams and written by Kevin Williamson and Caitlin Crabb. And it stars Gideon Adlin, Beth Millian, and Dylan Sprayberry. Sprayberry. 
<laughs> Spray billet. <laughs> Spray berry. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, that sounds pervy a little bit, doesn't oh it? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like, I don't know. It sounds like a, it, I don't, it sounds like a fruit that ejaculates all over you. I know, right? I'm thinking like strawberries and cream, right? Yeah, <laughs> strawberries. <laughs> like an ocean spray new drink. <laughs> like, yeah. Drink the sprayberry. I like to oh. think, I like to think of like, it, it, like, like, just like a, like a fruit just, jizzing all over you I, <laughs> seriously if there was a fruit that you could open that would just like spray shit all over you i would eat that like i would eat it naked with like a tarp on the floor but i would eat it <laughs> with some candles yeah. going. get some candles yeah play some berry white you know with marvin gay a little bit of luther yeah. vandross maybe you know what i mean i'm gonna you know feed me those antioxidants <laughs> yeah, right in my mouth. Right into my mouth, my face, neck, and chest. Oh, sprayberry! <laughs> I love this. I got my whole night planned out. I'm gonna fuck, I'm gonna get naked. I'm gonna. I got the tarp rolled out like it's fucking uh, American Psycho, and I'm about to kill Jared Leto. And I, I'm gonna fucking eat my sprayberry. And it's just like it's just like oh, spraying all over my body. I'm licking it off my chest and shit. Can I lick my chest? I'll try. Hold on. I hope you just tried. I, I hope you just hundred. Uh, hold on. I'm going to need a moment. <laughs> <laughs> this was a moment of self-discovery. It is. It is. It's very much so. Anyway, sick on Peacock. I think I'm sick right now, Paul, because actually today I was feeling better. I was feeling better. If anybody was wondering, I had a lot of I listeners. Had a lot of listeners reaching out asking, "Hey, I hope you're feeling better." And I wish I at the at the times that you, I wish I could have been like, "Yeah, I feel great," but I was still kind of <laughs> feeling like shit. So I, today was probably my best day that I've had in a while. But um, I think you actually said that to me when I asked you a couple you know, days ago. Like, I feel like shit. I'm like, I'm sorry to bring it up, man. It's all right. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. I tried everything. I tried everything. I even tried like sweating it out. You know, I just wanted to sweat the sickness out. I was fucking, I got, I, uh, I, I had a, drove home from Chicago. I went up to, uh, the Galloping Ghost Arcade on Saturday and, uh, played a bunch of fucking retro video games and pinball machines. It's the world's largest arcade. And, um, driving on the way home, I was just like feeling kind of crappy. So I was like, I'm going to crank the heat in the car and just sweat this shit out. I got home. I was soaked. <laughs> I was just fucking soaked. My, my <laughs> yeah, shirt was awesome. soaked. Uh, I was just soaked, but still, I still kind of felt crappy the next day. I didn't start feeling good actually until I think it was like last night. And then I woke up today feeling pretty good. So anyway, Paul, sick what did it's 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 basically it's it happens during the actual pandemic it's in april of 2020 and and you've got a a, uh it starts off with a college student and he's uh being stalked by a a person while he's shopping at a convenience store and then follows this guy home and then the masked intruder uh kills him in his home which then takes us to these two girls, Parker and Miri, and they're going to spend quarantine. They're going to quarantine in her family's lake house, this beautiful cabin near the water, near a lake. 
And um, then they start receiving a cryptic text message from somebody. It's the killer. Um, her, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Parker's kind of on and off boyfriend shows up at one time and they're trying to resolve like what's going on in their relationship. And then, you know, shit starts to ensue with like this slasher killer. Um, Paul, what did you think about uh, Sick? Yeah, I think I think it's so hard. I mean, there hasn't been a lot, but we're like what coming on three years of of uh, living through the pandemic. And I remember like one of the first movies to really capitalize or use the pandemic as like any type of horror thing was that Michael Bay produced movie Songbird, which just oh, that was just so bad. It felt like a just really bad fucking like well like almost like 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 it was exploiting it um and then like i think a movie that does it really good is the glass onion of using the pandemic as a plot device but like in a very tasteful way and then we get this movie um i'm just gonna i'm i I gotta get the rating out of there i i tupperware the shit out of this movie i fucking I wasn't expecting anything amazing. I I was like, oh, we're gonna get another song, Bert, but I I love the shit out of this. This somehow had like a like of course it had a scream vibe because the guy is one of the co-creators that Williamson That makes the- sense, dude. I was thinking like this could be a scream movie, and I was thinking like if they had a poster, it would be ghost face with a mask on, like a mask over the mask. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I think Williamson is the co-creator of Scream. And, um, man, like this – like it also had a Stranger Things kind of vibe to it. Like it was weird, but um, it like – like it definitely uses the pandemic as its center point. But it skewers both sides of like the people that were totally for the stay at home and the people that were like, fuck this, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of turns everything on its head. And I I fell in love with Parker and Miri and kind of their friendship. And I like it's so hard because I I think a lot of people need to watch this and I don't want to give anything away. Like there's a lot of fun twists and turns a lot of cool kills, but like I, I enjoyed this shit out of this movie. This felt like, you know, like a blend of like, uh, you know, like you said, like the beautiful cabin, like you kind of felt like you were at, you know, crystal Lake, you know, like or camp crystal Lake, like, and then you had like, kind of like the text messages, like it was kind of like the new ghost face. Like I, I love this movie so much. I, but I do like, Scream is one of my all-time favorite franchises. It's kind of a guilty pleasure type of thing. I I could watch that entire series front to back all day, any day. So I do have like a guilty pleasure love for this type of genre. But man, I I enjoyed the shit out of this. Yeah, this is uh this is a Tupperware for me too, Paul. I, Fuck I, yeah. And Fuck yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't gonna be until like the end, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't gonna be a toss it either. But I think like a movie like this hinges on the ending. You know, is it gonna land? And I man, it fucking landed for me. 
it's got a good reveal. It's, it's great. Got a good reveal. Yeah, yeah. This is this is re- this is a good one. This is really good. It's kind of a shame that it was just a peacock thing. Uh, Would have been nice to see this one in the theater. Um, Opening night with a full theater. This would have been a blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you look at. And you can't imagine that this has got a huge budget, and I think it would have made its money back. I think people would have been, you know, horror movies and slasher movies have been doing really well in the theater. It's one of the only safe bets, that and superhero movies um, right now, is like the slasher horror genre and, and, you know, superhero movies are the ones that are just dominating the box office. I think this would have done really well in the box office with some with some smart marketing. Uh, oh, but yeah. maybe they were worried about the whole, you know, COVID of it all, you know, selling people in the getting butts into seats to watch a movie about COVID. Um, and it's really not 100% about COVID. It just takes place during that time. The characters are doing things that we really remember that were like people were doing at the height of, uh, you know, COVID-19. You know, guy goes into a store, walks out of the store, gets in his car, immediately puts on the hand sanitizer. It's like stuff that we were all doing, you know, it's just like. Yeah, and like, like in a way, it kind of makes fun of both sides too. Yeah, like, like that's what I think is that's what I think is the appeal of this is that like it kind of really is like okay, like you know this like this this certain people thought this type of person was crazy, so we're gonna show that. But then this person thought they were crazy. We're gonna show that. Like we're kind of gonna assault all fronts here. Yeah. Like I, I did enjoy that. I thought it was good. Joe, what'd you think about sick? I I really enjoyed this, not quite as much as you guys. This is a high taste it for me. And the really it's it is the COVID of it all that that brings it down for me is that I think that I would have enjoyed this movie more had they come up with a different device rather than having stuff be COVID related in it. But otherwise this this absolutely did feel like a scream movie to me. I thought the ending on this was one of the most satisfying endings I've ever seen in a slasher flick. The the performances in it were good. It was just that 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 bit with the COVID where I'm just like I'm I'm kinda over it. I don't need this in my entertainment. But um happy to see that it worked for you guys though. It's not like you know like I I would agree with you on most things that I don't want to see because it's so recent, right? Like you don't want to – I can see like in 10, 15 years stories and and movies taking place during this time and we'll see people wearing masks and we'll be like, oh, yeah, this this – I remember that. You know, I remember doing all that. I remember going through that. I know this is so close but I just think it was so well crafted and so well done and like – I don't know, Paul. I guess it just worked for us. Yeah. I mean, like, what perfect time to unleash, like, you know, a slasher during, like, a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it was kind of ingenious. And, it, like, I totally get where Joe's coming from. Yeah. But the fact is that, like, to me, they lamented both major, like, polarizing opposites of it. Like, they kind of attack both sides. It was like, okay. Okay, I kind of do enjoy this. But yeah, man, I just give me a good slasher like yeah. I, know, I fucking loved it. I like movies that go after both sides equally. I like uh, Betty Gilpin in The Hunt. I thought that was oh, another the good Hunt, one. Oh, The Hunt, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a great movie. And I, I yeah. Yeah, like if it's too one-sided, I'll be like, "Ah, okay." 
Yeah. Like, I do like that this kind of felt like equally balanced of being like, hey, this side thought of you this way, this side of you thought this way. Like, to me, that was the that was the redeeming factor of the COVID of it all. Let's jump into uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. This is uh, on video on demand right now and uh, originally a book. And uh, the film explores society's obsessions with the pursuit of happiness and will be presented by Mark Manson alongside Disappointment Panda, a character from the book whose superpower is to tell people the harsh truth. Filled with ruthless humor and entertaining stories, best-selling author Mark Manson reveals his counterintuitive approach to living a good life. And um, I've got thoughts on this. But I want to hear your thoughts on this, Joe Stark, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I, I thought it was interesting. The The guy's very good at talking and telling stories. And, w- and when you relook into the guy's background a little bit and you're like, OK, he's he's a life coach. So he, he's used to talking to people like this. Um, uh, but I kept finding and I, this might just be my own personal hang up. Like the 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 rebellious part of my spirit that is going to stand back and say, I'm not going to fight. Why, why the fuck should I listen to you? And and that kept coming up over and over in my head. I'm like, OK, yeah, you're you begin you, the start of this thing. You're a self-professed fuck up at life. And now you're middle aged and you're telling other people how to live. OK, bravo. Um, but. Uh, that aside, it, it was entertaining. I think you could you could almost just use this like an audio book too, and just listen to it. Cause it is, it does come across as almost like a one man show. And, and a lot of the, the visuals and stuff they throw in it. Um, it, it isn't, I mean, this isn't like a movie or anything that you're watching. It, it's, it's very different. It's, it's almost like a weird documentary type thing. I don't really know how you would describe it, but it, it did make me keep coming back and asking myself like, like what is bothering you about this? Uh, but I I do agree with a lot of the stuff the guy was saying though also about focusing more on uh, like pinning your happiness on things that are within your control versus things that are not. I think that that is solid advice. And overall, this is not something I would go back to again. Um, the, the book seems to be really popular with people. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if this like film adaptation, whatever you would call this, if, if it ends up being quite as popular for, for me, it's just to taste it. Um, I, I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. And yeah, I, I think some of the stuff the guy says is valid and he's onto it. Some of the stories he tells are pretty interesting, but, but I kept coming up just hitting in this wall of, of not wanting to actively not wanting to listen to the guy also. But, but like I said, there, there's a part of me that, that doesn't want to do anything like that. Like I couldn't imagine ever like going and seeing like a life coach or something like that, or like going up to somebody and be like, tell me how to live my life. Like that is the, the exact fucking opposite of, of how I live for the most part. And so the, the, the whole you know, Tony Robbins of it, like was, was giving me a bit of an icky feeling, but it was still somewhat entertaining to me. So it's just a taste it for me. I'm going to taste it as well. I, 
I yeah, I I didn't finish the movie and be like, yeah, this guy's got it all figured out. He's you know like this is life changing shit that I just fucking witnessed here. I'm gonna implement this into my life now. It was nothing like that, you know. It's I was kind of like where you are with it, Joe. Where I was kind of like, what is this fucking this guy in his late thirties? What are you gonna tell me? Come on, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's a good talker. He's got great stories. You know, tells a story about Dave Mustaine always chasing like it's not. You know, he, he achieves this insane amount of success as a musician playing with Megadeth, but what he's always trying to do is, is be a bigger, trying to get, be a bigger band than Metallica, the band that he was kicked out, kicked out of. You know, I found it interesting. I found that interesting. I, I, the story I heard with Dave Mustaine was that he was fucking getting fucked up and drinking all the time, Joe. And that, uh, the guys were just getting sick of him. So when he was fucked up and drunk one time or whatever, they put him on a bus and he woke up on a bus out of, going out of town. Oh, that's wow. what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I've heard. But I thought that, you know, you're telling the Dave Mustaine story and then story of his personal friend that, you know, he met when he was 19 and he was in, was it, was it music school or what was it? Oh, I don't remember the, the exact specifics of it. Yeah. They were at a college and they were like in a, in a music class yeah. or something weird like that. I thought that all that, all that stuff was interesting. Um, you know, a, a little bit of a history lesson too with like that World War II. Um, was it the Japanese World War II guy? Yeah. Oh yeah. That was interesting. The, the, the soldier that, that refused to believe that that the war had ended and yeah. kept fighting for like decades or something like that. Yeah. Th- three decades for like 30 years. I mean, that was, it. I'm learning stuff about history and stories and stuff like that. But it's like, as far as like applying this guy's, you know, philosophies and stuff like that into my life, there's really no takeaways for me. Like there's some stuff I agreed with, but I'm like, I'm not going to, I think people do need a little bit of more of like the positive hope and stuff for as much as I think some of the self-help shit is bullshit. On the flip side, it's like I don't want to. I don't want to look at it from this guy's angle, where it's all just dour, you know, all the time. Sometimes, right? You know, I don't know. Well, there needs to be a little bit of a mix in there because I do agree with the stuff he's saying that that you can't you can't tie your emotional happiness to you know likes on social media and shit like that because tying your happiness to to popularity is not something that's within your control. And so I I get where he's coming from with that, and and I agree with a lot of it. I think a lot of it comes down to you just need to you need to understand what is the best way to say this. <laughs> you, you need to kind of understand what is attainable and what is what is not attainable and and adjust your happiness to that. Do you know what I mean? Like if you if there's something bigger over the horizon that you're always striving for, then the, you're you're never going to reach happiness if happiness is the the next big thing you're going to get the next big ticket item then you, you're never actually going to be happy you need to be actually happy with things that are within your control that that should i agree with but, yeah yeah paul yeah um man so uh the book came out in 2016 and i didn't i didn't get into it until about early 2018 when i uh got divorced and um the book was a huge help in me getting through that but like it's weird because the book was just 
pretty much a lot of cool ideas. And I listened to the Audible, which is narrated by him. But the book has like just a lot of cool ways of thinking. Like it's definitely a self-help thing. Like the book generally seems to kind of promote you becoming not a like I I mean I guess a better type of you, but just like I mean, he's got some really cool ideas. Like he, like I wish the movie would have had uh, the feedback loop from hell because I think that's a really fantastic way of how you know people continuously find a way to to come down on themselves. But this this movie to me is a low taste it because it feels so off from the book, whereas the book seemed to be promoting a way for you to actually kind of find a new way of thinking where this movie just kind of seemed like a commercial for him, like to tell some fun stories, you know, to tell stories of how he had a fucked up life. Cause a lot of this, like he doesn't go into deep detail of like, you know, his own personal life in the book. Not as much as in the movie, but like, it's just like, ah, man, dude, like, are you selling yourself or your ideas? Like, are you kind of trying to come off as like a self-deprecating comedian? It just, it almost felt like a, like a sellout thing. And I don't know, like if it's like, if a lot's changed, because to be transparent, like when I read the book, I could care less about the type of teacher I was. And now teaching is one of the things I truly want to be the best at. And it's like, there's some things you're saying where I agree with, but like, I'm not going to sit here and tell kids they're not special. I'm going to balance it and be like, Hey, you're fucking awesome, but we got to work hard to keep the awesome up of it. Like, and in this movie, I feel like just by me telling a kid they're awesome, I'm giving them entitlement. Like it just, I don't know. I don't know. There was a huge like kind of loss in translation between the book that I adored and this movie that just felt like, hey, look, I'm famous now. I can afford a movie where I have hot women in a pool with me, but I'm going to play it off. Like, I don't know. I just this is a low taste. It. I wasn't a huge fan of this. It it kind of it kind of steered from what the book was saying originally to now what he's saying now. I, I don't know. Like the book was about the idea. The movie seems to be about him. And I don't enjoy that. I think in this life, you need to hold on to the things that make you feel that, that you know, that are special about you. Like, I guess this is a little bit of my philosophy. It's like, you know, just the things that are, you know, cause like I, this podcast is special to me and the listeners that we have that love this show, it's special to me. I know I'm never going to achieve the success of some of the bigger podcasts, but when I get emails and people encouraging me and Joe and Jake and Paul and, you know, everybody in the leftover army that's encouraging, you know, that makes me feel special. And on, a, on the, and even on the smallest level in my life where, my cats love me to death and I love them to death. If, Dude, it's if the, the little thing. If the biggest star in the fucking world, Tom Cruise, walked into my house, my cats would run in the other room scared. They wouldn't fucking care that it's Tom Cruise, but they fucking love me. I know that's the smallest fucking thing. But it's like my it cats. the biggest thing. 
to me it's huge like it, and to them it's huge like i'm i they love me they they know that, that I, they're gonna get the pets from me they're gonna get the food from me and i think in this life you know i think sometimes people i guess we we focus on like the wrong shit uh you know uh what's important in this life and you know people are always trying to get be bigger and do bigger things and at the end of the day it doesn't matter it matters how you feel about yourself and it matters like like what you've done to impact the people around you um dude i i 100 percent. i have realized my role in this life is to be like the best hype man i can be and i don't care if that makes someone feel some type of privilege like like I'm going to make everyone around me feel like they can be the best person they can be, whether whether it's on a podcast, but especially like if it's with my own two kids and even more so like with kids from the worst of backgrounds, like like we have a society telling these kids I teach like you're not going to amount to anything. I don't care what this Mark Manson guy says. Like, I'm going to tell them every day they're fucking special. They're going to amount to something because there's not a lot of people doing that. Like, you need that one person in your life that believes in you that you're going to want to work your ass off. Like, yes, we have some bad apples where they've been told, oh, you're special, and they just have come to accept that that's the norm and they're not going to accept any responsibilities but there's a lot of kids and people out there that are going to take that and be like, hey, someone believes in me. I don't want to let them down. I'm going to work my ass off for it. And I feel like this movie kind of negated that. Like, I don't know that like. No, I agree with you. <laughs> like the teacher part of me was just like, fuck you, man. Like, come come do what I do every day and let's see what you have to say. Because if I'm going to be like, if I'm going to say the shit you're saying to five year olds, your studies in 20 years are going to be really fucked up. Like you need that one person. You need a person in your life that's going to build you up. That's going to make you want to work to be a better part of you. And I don't know, like he was just so different from this movie and in the book and it fucking pissed me off. I think about the basketball player and I'm not knocking him at all. I think about the basketball player, Antoine Walker played for the Celtics, won a championship ring with them. By all accounts, I know, I I don't know. I don't know him personally or anything like that. He could be a great guy. But if I look at like two points in his life, like him playing basketball as a child on the playground and him in the NBA where he like, you know, blows through all of his contract money sells his fucking championship ring for money loses everything like which which version is more happy like the guy who is the star making all the money or like the the kid on the playground that was just playing with his friends for fun you know what i mean i'm sure he he might have had a rough life growing up too it's just like it's you know i don't think that you have to be the best in everything to be to find happiness right you just have to you know no, what i mean absolutely not not everybody's gonna be like the chances of hitting the nba is it's probably it's got to be harder than even fucking winning the lottery you know yeah you agree joe absolutely that's that's kind of what i was saying earlier like you you need to manage your expectations of what you're going to get out of life Mm -hmm. and and learn how to be happy with what you have and learn how to be happy with what is attainable 
Uh, because constantly reaching for the next thing, it's good. It can be a great motivating factor for lots of people, but it can also be a, a terribly heavy weight that's going to just drag you down into deep water where you're never going to be happy. Like, I'd imagine that NBA player you brought up, he probably kept comparing himself to other people in the clubhouse. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't have as nice a car as this guy, or, or I, I don't have as many pairs of, you know, of expensive sneakers or something like this other guy has and it just keeps you reaching for more and more material shit and it's like at what point are you going to have that next material thing that's going to make you happy no that happiness needs to come from within Mm -hmm. and yeah i'm a big believer in that and it just seemed like at so many points in this film that this guy was just like pontificating and 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 doing it off of generalizations yeah, and yeah. It's it, it to me. It just it came across as preachy, and it just made me keep questioning. Well, who the fuck are you? You spent the first like thirty minutes of this talking about what a fuck up you were in life, <laughs> but now n- now you're this enlightened genius that's going to show us all the way. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was such a disappointment because the book was so. The book has such cool ways of changing your line of thought, and it, this just seemed like a commercial for him. It, so, it's just it was it was such a letdown. Yeah, sounds like a bad adaptation of a good book, apparently. So, yeah, those don't exist, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they always translate. To anyway. my shock. Yeah, I just yeah, guys. Oh, you know, I know. Yeah, happiness is, it, I mean, when you're happy, it feels great. But he is right. There's going to be times where you're just, you're just not. And I guess you have to, you just have to focus on the problems that you can fix, you know? But, um. And you also need those people to say, hey, you're worth fucking fighting through this for. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You fucking need that. That doesn't make you privileged. Like, yes, there, there are people that you can blame for that but like that's not every case like like this guy didn't grow up in some of the worst childhoods like ooh, you got caught with drugs in your locker like you didn't have to feed your family when you were five like shut the fuck up like like this this kid isn't hearing anything good about them like you he needs that he or she needs that person to say you know what? You're you're fucking awesome. Like you need to hear that. Like you need to give a fuck sometimes about what people do think about you if they mean something to you. Yeah, agreed. Wow, it got really deep there, boys. Hey, I'm sorry, man. It's been a week. Don't apologize. And it's only Monday. <laughs> uh, it's only Monday. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Are you guys ready for a break? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I could take one. Look at you guys. Look at you guys. It's like Jake never left. I'm kidding. (laughs) (sighs) We'll be right back. I thought we needed a break because we got really deep. We need to get out of that shit and come back. And be... I got us deep. I, I. No, no, no. I think it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a group effort there. You know what I mean? And it was also appropriate to the subject matter. Sure, it was. Yeah, you know it's um. I just want to say, this is, Joe, this is fucking so cool, man. You're a leftover right now. <laughs> and I get to be a guest on your show. Like, this is fucking cool, dude. This is awesome, man. I don't mean to give you, like, privilege by saying that. Yeah. 
<laughs> this is, this is fucking it. rad, dude. This is, <laughs> this is a really cool thing, man, to hear you say, like, and I'm a leftover, or we're the leftovers. That was... Yeah, was not really not in that. unison, but yes, it's cool. <laughs> it was pretty close. It was pretty close. Let's let's be real here. Yeah, that's debatable. I mean, now Paul's being my hype man. We can go. Well, I I told you I'm a hype man. Exactly. We can go back and listen to the tale of the tape if we really, if I really wanted to. But you know uh, what? But Brian, you were doing your thing. Like, good for you, man. Like, you were staying on the course. See, I'm your hype man too. I've got it easier because I'm the one who leads. I'm the one who kicks it off. Joe has to like jump into that. You know, he's got to jump in that same lane with me and. uh this all comes back to the the intro. It's like the least important part of the fucking show. <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I mean? When it comes down to it, Joe, at the end of the day, oh, yeah. it's the least important part of the show. And we're the leftovers. Like I, like, I really give a fuck if Joe can keep up with me in that moment. <laughs> I know. But but you guys are fucking bringing it, man. It's, it's, it's so fucking cool to be a part of this new step, like... Thank you for having me on, man. This is awesome. Well, no, Paul, we're, we're friends, man. It's like, you know, and Joe, I consider you a very good friend. And Paul, you're a very good friend of mine. And it's fun. It's fun that we get to do this. It's fun that uh, people enjoy our friendship so much. Friendship is magic, my little pony. And they listen. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll be right back. Cinefied. Verb. Past tense. The act of being enlightened and knowing what movie to watch next. Cinefied.com is your destination for movie, television, documentary, and short reviews. Released every week by writers who love movies like moviegoers love popcorn. Cinefied is here to make sure no one is wasting time or money where they shouldn't be. After all, you have to be able to buy your popcorn and eat it too. So come visit us, read our reviews, and get Cinefied. Cinefied.com, enlightening moviegoers since 2018. All right, hey, we are back and we are talking now about a new... uh, New animated movie uh, dropped on VOD. I, I purchased uh, I purchased the uh, 4K Blu-ray, and uh, it's Mortal Kombat Snowblind. So this is like the the third in this like new series that they've got. The first one was a what was it? Uh, Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge was the the next one. Annihilation. Uh, no, it's uh, it's Mortal Kombat Legends. The first one was Scorpion's Revenge. The second one was. Um, a Battle of the Realms. A Battle of the, the Realms. The third one, Snowblind. Snowblind. Uh, Kano is hellbent on taking over Earthrealm, viciously attacking town after town with the aid of three cold-blooded black dragon mercenaries. Those who don't submit are annihilated. One young man won't bend the knee to Kano, Kenshi. Cocky and undisciplined, Kenshi loses both his eyesight and his confidence after Kano and his clan attack him. Kenshi then comes under the tutelage of Kuai Luang, now retired and reluctant to train Kenshi, but also the only fighter powerful enough to challenge Kano. Along the way, Kenshi rediscovers the hope he had lost and a possible path to redemption. But will that be enough to stop Kano and save Earthrealm? And, uh... Yeah, uh... 
kind of like a jump into like a post-apocalyptic future. It had like a Mad Max feel, but it also had like this Western feel to it where like these fights take place in like the town streets. And uh, you've got a, a, a Earth realm being ruled by King Kano. And um, like the balance of power has been, um, you know, it's been swapped here. It's like Shang Tsung is now his servant. And uh, Shang Tsung is not at full strength and and um so yeah it's it's this is decades after Shao Kahn's defeat in Mortal Kombat Earthrealm and uh Earthrealm had been attacked by these undead uh like zombie like creatures and uh so most of the most of the world is like the it's like wasteland and and isolated cities and and uh Kano is has come in here as King Kano and you get a lot of different characters in this one Kira Cobra Farah, uh Draman Cabal um Aaron Black No Face Dairu Tremor and Jarek and uh Shang Shang Tsung and then Kenshi and um uh Qualiang and I don't want to spoil like some other characters do pop up throughout this but uh Joe, what did you think about Mortal Kombat Snowblind? Yeah, I loved the first one of these, the Scorpion's Revenge movies. It's one of my favorite Mortal Kombat stories ever. I've I've watched the movie countless times, and when I saw this on the list, I was really excited to to see this newest entry into it. The the second one, Battle of the Realms, it didn't hit near as well for me as Scorpion's Revenge and I mean, honestly, Scorpion's Revenge is it's up there as one of my favorite animated movies ever. And um, so this one, I was really excited to go into it. Um, I, I was a little confused at first as to the timeline and when everything's going on. Uh, I, I really haven't played much Mortal Kombat since I was a kid. And so I was I like I have no idea what's going on in the storyline of the game. And, and if this follows some of that, I I, I have no clue. But. I'm an absolute sucker for uh, the story device of of a, a blind swordsman who's who's a total badass. And 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 this this movie filled that <laughs> filled that for me because I mean we get that in the in the protagonist. He goes through this journey, loses his sight, then has to gain his confidence back and learn how to fight again. He gets this badass sword that kind of almost gives him like some daredevil type vision. The way they presented it in the movie was was really really cool, and and I like the stories. I'm I'm a big fan of Kano. I think he's always funny in the movies, and they managed to still hold that here, even though it's such a different iteration of the character than I'd never seen before. Um, this one, it's since since I put Scorpion's Revenge on such a high on such a high point, and like that is that is my Tupperware standard with with these Mortal Kombat Legends movies. And I did feel like this one was way better than the the Battle of the Realms, but this one for me just comes in as is a high taste. It. Uh, it it maybe that rating will change on on future viewings. I I could see myself watching this more in the future. Whereas with Battle of the Realms, I I, I haven't I haven't watched that. I I, I think I the first time I watched it was because we we reviewed it at some point maybe last year or whenever it came out and. And I've never gone back and watched that one again. But this one, I like the characters. I like this, uh, the situations that are put in. I thought the fight scenes and stuff in it were really good. Um, but it, it still doesn't reach that pinnacle of, of Scorpion's Revenge. 
I'm in complete agreement. This is a high taste it for me as well. I thought it started off great, even though it's like it took me a little while to like get my bearings on like the time period and like what's going on here. I was like, oh, this is fun. They're just having fun with this. It's like King Kano, Shang Tsung is like his servant. I was like, this is, this is wild. It's like a Mad Max type of world now. And, and then you've got like the, you know, the, the hopeful hero with Kenshi. And then you've got like, you know, the uh Kwai Lang who like you know is trying to stay out of it he's just you know just doing his yeah. thing and trying to stay out of the fight right so yeah um, he just doesn't want to be involved yeah so i was like this is cool this is cool and then it kind of just like gets into i think some of the battles were fun but then it, some of the story with it with like the training and some of the things that happened were very tropey and it wasn't like you know, you've seen some of the stuff play out in other forms of media, in media and stuff. And I was just like, it's not that original now. You took like this insane, you know, concept of like King Kano and all this stuff. And then you just put in a bunch of other tropey shit that we've already seen in other things. And, you know, like, you know, another character showing up and it was like, OK, all right. Well, OK, it was fine. It's a high taste. It's better than Battle of the Earth Realms. Much better than that. Um, but it's still, Joe, yeah, to put it up, to put it right, stack it, try to stack it next to Scorpion's Revenge, it doesn't hold a candle. Scorpion's, no, Scorpion's <laughs> Revenge is just so good. Yeah. Yeah. It, in, in like multiple ways, the story's there, the action is there with it. Uh, you got funny parts in it with, with, um, what, is it Johnny Cage? Yeah, Johnny Cage. Cause I think Joel McHale was voicing him in that. It was just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm at a high taste as well. Paul, what'd you think about Snowblind? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm at a taste that like I, I totally agree with Joe and you about Scorpion's Revenge being the pinnacle. Like that movie is fucking awesome. Um, I would have almost liked this as like a non Mortal Kombat movie because, again, like. The same with Joe. God, I think the last Mortal Kombat game I played was maybe Mortal Kombat 10 or 11, like back in 2010. Um, so I don't know if Kenshi's actually like a current character or if they're even still making games. But like when you say Mortal Kombat, I want to see all of like the OGs. I want to see Sonya Blade. I want to see... Johnny Cage, like, give me Striker, fucking Raiden. I don't know. Um, I love. It's funny, Brian. I'm like the opposite of you. I kind of love the montage of him training after he became blind. Like, I'm like, oh, this is cool. But I don't know. Like, this kind of would have been a better non-Mortal Kombat story because I'm just kind of used to, if you say Mortal Kombat, I want those original characters. Like, yeah, we had Shang Tsung and Kano, but, like, you know, I don't want to give anything away for the end, but, like, I want to see more of the other guys. I don't know. So this is just a taste it for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this was the, definitely, like, uh, a different time period and set in a post-apocalyptic future. And I think we all kind of like love the, hopefully they'll get back to that stuff. You know what I mean? 
agreed. I mean, because I'm still interested enough in this series that I hope they keep it going. Yeah. And and to me, with this with this being better than Battle of the Realms, it was a step in the right direction. Yeah. And and I'm still hopeful that they're going to be able to recapture the magic of that first one. But maybe part of the magic of that first one is that I'm so nostalgic for those original characters and that I don't have as much of a connection to the games now. Mm-hmm. And 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 with what they're doing in the storyline here, they're bringing in characters that you know I'd never seen in a game, but I thought they were cool as shit in the movie. But I just didn't have any connection to them. Whereas in that Scorpion's Revenge, I got connections to every single character in it because the, these are the ones that you know. This was my 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 fighting game when I was like a, a kid, like in the early nineties when it first came out. And yeah. And so it, that, that first movie is going to hit a nostalgia button for me that, that the follow-ups just weren't there with. Yeah. Just, I mean, go back, give me a, like a mortal Kombat legends, uh, Sonya blade, Johnny cage, Liu Kang, like, uh, a, you know, sub zero. Yes. Do that. You know, I mean, yeah, it'd be fun. Let's do that. Anyway, moving on here. Uh, that 90s show, this is the, uh, uh, we had that 70s show, which premiered in 1998. And uh, this is that 90s show. It centers on uh, Leia Foreman, the teenage daughter of Eric Foreman and Donna, uh, forming bonds with other teenagers. <clears throat> Excuse me. As she spends the summer of 1995 with her grandparents, Red and Kitty, in Point Place, Wisconsin, 15 years after the events of that 70s show. And, um, yeah, uh, a lot of the original actors returning for this one. Kurtwood Smith returns as Red Foreman. Deborah Jo Rupp as Kitty Foreman. And then you've got, like, your cameos, you know, Ashton Kutcher and the dude that plays Fez. I don't know the fuck. I don't know his name. He's great, though. Anyway. Um, I've watched six episodes of this because I mean they're they're like thirty minutes a piece. I've watched six. I you know and I I love that seventy show. I haven't seen every episode, but I've watched enough of them. Um, and it's not one of those shows like I would watch it when it was on, but not all the time. I didn't have to like watch it religiously. I watched more probably in syndication. Um, but I enjoyed the show. Thought it was funny. Um. And so when I heard about this, I was, you know, I was, you know, they did. Did you guys know that they did a that uh, that 80s show at one time? It lasted like maybe a season. Yeah, yeah I read that online. I never watched it. But yeah, I Glenn, watched it. Glenn Howerton from Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was on that show. Yeah. Yeah. It was not well received. <laughs> so, yeah, it got canceled. <laughs> did you like it, Paul? Uh, that 80s show? Yeah. No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not at all. Uh, um, what did you think about that 90s show, Paul? Um, so, yeah. Like, uh, so that 70s show came out in 98, and it was a, it was a big deal here because uh, I live in Milwaukee, and Point Place is not a – it's not technically a real place, but it's kind of based on a real city called Stevens Point, which isn't too far from here. And it's so funny because, man, like if there's not a real depiction of 
who my dad was and who I was as Red and Eric Foreman, like, my dad always called me a shithead all the time. But, like, I knew that was his term of endearment. Um, so that 70s show, like, when it came, I, I believe that 70s show came out in 1998. And every, I don't know, like, I think it originally came out on Sunday nights. My dad and I just had to watch that together because it was kind of our thing where we would fight like, you know, he was he was red and I was Eric. He was like, you know, the hardcore everyday man. And I was the optimistic nerd, whatever. And he would just kind of, you know, tell me how it was and I would tell him my side and all of that, like that became our thing. And, you know, that show ended the same year he passed away. Um, so I, like, I did not want to watch that 90s show cause I did hate that 80. I, I really hated that 80 show. But, um, when I heard this was out, I'm like, I don't think I want to watch this. And then Brian sends me the PCL homework and it's, it's got that 90s show and Kurt Wood Smith is a fucking, you know, he's a Wisconsin guy. He's from Sheboygan, not too far away. And I've loved that guy from RoboCop and fucking, you know, that 70s show. And I, I had to watch it and it happened to be on a Friday night when I had my kids. And, you know, Hazel is about she's close to being 10 and I put it on and we're watching it. We're having a fun time and they're getting tired. And, you know, I'm like, Hazel, do you want me to keep watching this? Or do you want me to pause it? And she's like, can we watch it together? And I put it to bed and about two hours later, I hear some pity patter and Hazel comes to my room. She goes, can we watch, can we watch the grandpa show? And I go, yeah, we can watch the grandpa show because I was telling her that Red was like her grandpa. And, you know, there's like a lot like there's a lot of people saying, oh, this is bad comedy. And I mean, you want to look at shows like Hacks and even like The White Lotus, which is a dark comedy. This this doesn't hold a candle to it. But like that 70s show came out when I was going to high school. I didn't care about like production value or even great storytelling. Like this was just fun to go back to point place and go into like a sentimental place. Like it was fun to pause it and talk to Hazel about like how much her grandpa was like red and her dad was like Eric and just for like the whole night I had keeping Hazel up until 4 a.m. to watch this entire series through and through the skits in absolute Tupperware. I love seeing the characters I grew up with in height. Like this came out in 98, so I'm going to high school at this time. Or I'm in eighth grade, about to go into high school. Like, Kelso's here, Eric's here, but like Red's here, but now Red has to like be a fucking grandpa and we kind of see the soft side and we see Kitty start to kind of be the hard side. 
like I just I I loved coming back to this environment. I love coming back to Point Place. I love going back to the hub. All of that. I just I really I think I have blinders on because of Hazel, but like it was just a fun time going back to me being a Wisconsin boy growing up in this town and seeing all of this happen and now seeing them like red and kitty have to raise kids like rate, you know, like, I mean, they kind of are raising kids like yeah. bringing in all these, you know, other kids into their basement and like red wants to say he hates it, but we know he loves it. Like he fucking loves it. And I don't know if it's past the six episode, but to know that like red has a thing for Raquel Welsh, that's pretty fucking cool. Like, like I saw that episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. But I, this is a Tupperware to me. It's probably jaded on so many levels because I watch this with my baby girl who grows up in Wisconsin. Like Leia is named after a fandom. Hazel is named after a Brian K. Vaughn fandom. Like, come on. How can I not love this show? Like it's a fucking Tupperware to me. That's awesome, man. I uh, I, I started off a little bit differently than you. I, I really just kind of what I liked about it is just being able to spend more time with you know Red and Kitty, and then I wasn't like too high on the kids yet in the show, and then it started to you know as I got into more episodes and they started doing more '90s stuff with like. You know, rentals and like they had Kevin Smith jokes. He was big. Drop, yeah, yeah, clerks, and they started getting into some of the '90s jokes. Um, I, I can't remember what episode what it was, but the episode that just this is the first episode where I was like laughing out loud and finding it very funny was the nine hundred two one zero episode. Yes. And I I fell in love with the show after that. I would say I was like at a, you know, between a low taste it, taste it. And then once I hit that episode, it started to like, you know, I started to like, okay, I can get behind these characters now. I'm enjoying it. I like Ozzy, who's like the um, the young, openly gay kid who comes out to Kitty. And I love that part. Uh, I love that episode. The 9021 episode just fucking slayed me. I was dying during that episode uh and it just wasn't like the 90210 stuff either it was it was everything in that episode i just thought it was very well written in a great episode um you got kelso's kid here you got eric and donna's kid in this um i i'm i'm digging it so far i'll finish it i i don't think the whole thing's gonna be a tupperware for me even though the 9021 episode 90210 episode was um but i think like you know some of the episodes are tasted low tasted high tasted some are you know i i had the one tupperware episode so i'm gonna continue to watch it um because i do i i i do want to finish it and it's yeah, it's not like hacks. It's not like some of the stuff that's coming out now. It's just comfort food as far as it's sitcoms. Comfort food, yes. Yeah. Like it's just it's just that happy place. And I mean I don't know. I just I just love this. I love telling my daughter, you know, like it's like I mean, I don't know if I'm j- like skewered because I'm a Wisconsin boy, but like this just hits every fucking feel. 
I like the episode where they brought home the first computer, and it looked, you know, it looked like like looked like our old Packard Bell that we had back in the day, you know. Just, so I am I am gonna say this. I wish I wish he didn't come out to Kitty. I wish he came out to Red. Yeah, yeah, that yeah that yes, that would have been a little bit. That would have been like, better. I agree. Because we all know Red, you know the you know the hard-hearted guy. He still would have been like, okay, cool. Like, and like we even see that. I don't know if you got to the clubbing episode, but where like he's kind of there, and you know, like catches his granddaughter. I saw that one. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like that's not the Red we're used to, right? Like, that's his granddaughter, and I think the actress that plays Leia does such a great job of capturing both the spirit of Eric and Donna at the same time. Sure, yeah, yeah. She is so good in this role. Yeah. Joe, what did you think about that 90s show? Yeah, when I saw it on the list, I was like, okay, this is this is going to be a wholly new experience for me because... I never really watched the, that 70s show when it was on. I, I was familiar with it because it was a big enough pop culture hit that, you know, how how do you get away from it? But it, it wasn't I don't I don't have any memories of of actually sitting down and watching the show. I'm sure I caught clips and stuff of it if I was at somebody else's house and they were watching it or whatever. But I never really watched the show. And so I, I went into this not. I mean, just totally blind as to I have no idea really what I'm getting into with this. But I was born in 1980. I was in high school during the late 90s. So, I mean, this is I should connect with it on some level. And so I watched the whole first episode and uh, I mean, the the cameos they had in it were were big enough actors to where I, I understood it. And also this whole thing's filmed in front of a live audience and so every time, you know, one of those original cast members would come in, they'd just be huge cheers from the the audience. And um, I, I made it through that first episode and I was like, eh, I don't really know what to think of it, but I'm going to at least give it two more. And by the time I was through that third one, I had laughed out loud enough and I'd started like connecting with some of the characters that I was like, I'm going to just keep this thing going. And I ended up watching, I think it's 10 episodes. I watched all 10 of them. And I absolutely love the dynamic between Red and Kitty. It's so funny. Uh, I I liked the kids. I liked all the different personalities that they had. Uh, a minor gripe of the show was, other than some of the music and in some of the situations and stuff, there were there's some stuff in it where I felt like I don't know if that was really stuff being said in the '90s so much as like the early 2000s, whereas this was taking place in I think '95, smack dab right in the middle of the '90s and some of it just didn't quite feel that 90s to me but but I didn't really care because I mean they're they're 22 minute long sitcom episodes and so I'm just like what you guys said earlier calling it comfort food that was that was the way I took this and and they got into enough different situations and 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 things like that to where it was making me laugh out loud um the I, I'm assuming that this is something from the original show also but how they do the little flashes in between scenes where it has like the people like dancing or something like that. I thought that stuff was like cringe worthy, but it, um, is, was that something from the original yeah, show? Yeah, entirely from the original show. Yeah, it okay. was. And that, I assumed it was just something like that. Um, 
but you know it's it's not enough to to make me stop watching the show uh my biggest gripe about the show is that there's only 10 episodes and with them just being 22 minute episodes it went by so fast and there was multiple times where after i finished this show i was like fuck i wish there was more episodes that i'd love to go back in and and watch a few it just it went by so fast but but during that during that time like i i really connected with a lot of the characters and i i think they're really funny i'm i'm concerned about what's going to be going on with uh uh with, with leia because she had to leave you know, she's only there for the summer and so she has to leave and so oh, don't spoil it for me <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna finish this, dude. They, they, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm sure that if the numbers are with this, and with it being on Netflix, it's just the thing that I'm concerned about. It, will enough people have actually watched the entire series to where they're going to give us more? Yeah. Um. And and I, I I hope they will. But really, the the real joy in this for me was just Red and Kitty. They were so they were so funny. The dynamic they have was great. Um. Like the Red reminds me of like Friends' dads. You know, it's just that that type of dad that you don't really see too much anymore. And this really makes me want to go back and watch that 70s show, uh, because I, I would love to just see more interactions with with those two and with the kids around them. And it was funny that they kept going down to the basement and, and finding weed to smoke. Like, I couldn't believe how many episodes they were getting stoned in. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Um they they should have had him smoking out of a pop can at some point. That that would have been quintessential fucking nineties. The way I remember it. the original. Well, they never show him smoking, like in the yeah, original. Always it, it, behind the pass. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it really just shows him in a hazy room. Well, that's that's just, what they did on the that seventy show because they couldn't. I think at the time they weren't allowed in that time slot and on that network to show them actually smoking it so they went about it in a very creative way where like paul said they're always you see the smoke they're always behind the pass and they kept like that uh panning the screen around in a circle as they're kind of like you know passing the joint and so um that's definitely something that was inventive for that show and uh kind of like their way of getting around it but still doing it so it was really cool that they kind of like passed the torch <laughs> Pass the joint onto the next yes, next generation. Yeah, yeah. All those scenes absolutely worked for me. It was really funny, and I loved it that that uh, two of the kids were were neighbors living next door, and they had a single mom. And the interactions that their mom had with Red and Kitty, I thought, were really funny. Uh, the way that they brought that Fez character, and again, I'm not familiar with him at all from the original show, but he was hilarious in this. Um, this this does make me want to go back and, and watch that 70s show. They're all on Peacock, all eight seasons. So Oh, Dude. tremendous. So, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have to be watching it. For, for me, this was a high taste. It. Um, I, I really liked it. I didn't I didn't love every episode, but just the fact that when it was done and I finished that last episode, I wanted more. That's that's really telling to me. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Hopefully Netflix will renew this. I, I think it's uh... – I feel like it's a done deal. Do you? I, good. There's enough people talking about this. And Joe, like all the reasons you're saying you love this show, I think you're going to fall in love with that 70s show. <laughs> Excellent. That's, that's really good. Um, Brian, did you get to the scene where Jay and Nate go to the gym? No. 
Uh, okay, I won't spoil oh anything. But the, the music drop when it when it's doing their workout montage, you're gonna fucking love it. Okay, that's all I'll say. Uh, is it a song that Jake hates? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really talked to Jake about that band. I, oh, I was hoping it uh, was the uh, the uh, the hero song. I need a no. hero. <laughs> no, it's not that one. No, it's a '90s song through and through. Okay, but, but like totally like '90s gym track. Like when I saw it, I was like. That was on my weightlifting playlist, or playlist, my my weightlifting fucking cassette tape. Yeah, <laughs> your mixtape, my mixtape. Yeah, uh, the uh, it's fucking great. As soon as it dropped, I was like, oh no fucking way! This is my favorite scene. <laughs> I just, I just think it's a testament how good of a actor Kurtwood Smith is, where we can go from RoboCop to being like, I want to see you die. Mm-hmm. To now being like, I want to see you raise a great granddaughter, <laughs> like, like that, that, that. That's pretty fucking cool, and dude. He's he's like uh, he's. I think he's approaching eighty. Yeah, and so. he's he's got it. He still got like, it. He's, he's got it, dude. And he's a Sheboygan guy. Like he's a real Wisconsin dude. Like fuck yeah. Yeah, man. I I fucking love his performance in RoboCop. Like, oh my god. Like, so good let's talk about uh oh paul real quick man sixth and final season of cobra kai oh man okay so i definitely have feelings because i think i don't know this could be a crazy take the fifth season could be my favorite season of cobra kai like they fucking did everything they needed to do in that show like like they realized what they were, they decided to up the cheese, up the member berries, and for me, it spray worked out. berries. <laughs> Sorry, spray berries, Brian. <laughs> tell me something good. Tell me something good. Splat. Tell me that you like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Every every great thing needs to come to an end. After the way the fifth season ended, I don't see a really great show coming out of more than one season after what we just got. Like, like you guys are good with six seasons. You have a complete story to tell. Give it to me. They said it's not over, though, after that. I, th- I think they're going to be doing spinoffs, man. Uh, they said yeah, it's not well, over after this. They, they, I think they've already got spinoffs planned for other characters. I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. Okay, okay, but like I think th- I think we're definitely going to see. I think we definitely need to get a Johnny, you know, fucking Danny ending. Like I'm okay with that. Like you want to give me more of like Danny's daughter? Cool, but like. I was so happy with this last season, and if you guys feel like you're at this end with this current story, I trust you guys. Like, like let's let's fucking end on a banger. I don't know. Like, I definitely have mixed feelings about it, but I'm gonna trust you guys. Like, fucking Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Like they, they kind of did the same thing. They're like. This is our last season. We're ending it. And that last season was fucking amazing. The entire series was great. I can't say that about Cobra Kai. They had some misses, especially 
their second season and most of the third, but man, did they really bring it from like four to five? Yeah, so it was fantastic. What you guys got? Oh, uh, real quick before I forget, I didn't have it on the list for you guys, uh, but uh, a couple weeks ago, I did watch the uh, Martin reunion on uh, HBO Max. And oh. uh, if you were a fan of Martin in the 90s, highly recommend it, man. Highly recommend it. Absolute Tupperware if you're a Martin fan. So I loved it. It just it made me want to go back and re- rewatch Martin. And because that was one of those shows I absolutely loved in the 90s. So, yeah, if you didn't even know it was on the service, watch it. If you were a fan of Martin, you got to watch the reunion. It was really fucking good. So a lot of great stories. And, um, yeah, fantastic. Um, Kaleidoscope. Uh, this is the last thing in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, this is on Netflix. A master thief and his crew attempt an epic heist worth $7 billion. But betrayal, greed, and other threats undermine their plans. Stars Giancarlo Esposito, Paz Vega, Rufus Sewell, uh, Jai Courtney. Um, yeah, a bunch of people in the cast here. It's created by Eric Garcia. It's an eight-part series. Uh, unique for its shuffled order. It centers around Master Thief. Yeah, I went through that. But basically, like, so I could watch the show. Each show is broken down into, like, a color. So you'll have, um, like, green or red or orange, violet, uh, blue, all yellow, all these different colors. And so each episode um, is color-coded. And, but I could get a different viewing order from Paul. Joe could get a different viewing order from me. Everybody gets a different viewing order. I don't know how many different combinations are, there are to watch this show. Um, 5,000 according to the creator. Wow. So I, I'll go down my list of how I watched it. But I do want to hear you guys' thoughts on and, and I've seen five episodes, so I do have a few left. I, I, I did not have the time to, to complete it. It's definitely something that I want to complete because um, I'll just say it. I love this show. I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's a Tupperware for me. Um, Giancarlo Esposito, I love him. I did have problems with like one of the episodes where they go back in time and the – I thought that the, the de-aging of Giancarlo Esposito was really <laughs> creepy looking. It, oh, on the Violet episode? Yes. Violet, it yeah. didn't look good. Four years before the heist. That yeah. Was, that was why I specifically wanted you guys to watch that episode, so just so we could discuss how badly they de-aged him. It looked so bad. It was terrible. Oh, my God. It was, it was so it was, bad. It was way terrible. To <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um but uh, I'm loving it, man. I, I think Jai Courtney, for as much shit as he's gotten in the past um, with some of uh, his acting, oh, I, I've seen the guy – like I think the movie was called Buffaloed and that was a Hulu original that came out maybe two or three years ago and Jai Courtney was so fucking good in that and he's so fucking good in this too. Um but uh, I love this. I love the heist. I love the music in it. I love the the actors are great. Um, I'm really it's a great heist movie. I think like if 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 you enjoy heist stuff, if you like stuff like Ocean's Eleven, 
um, you're gonna, you're gonna get into this. You're gonna, and, and there's like mini heists within this before they perform the big heist. So it's not like they're just gonna leave you heistless <laughs> until the last movie. There's multiple heists that are happening within this. And like, everybody is like, I, you can't trust anybody in this. You can't trust anyone. And you learn more about their past, what their motivations are, um, who you think might be – I don't know. You can't think – nobody that, it, that they show in this show is is 100% who they say they are. Um, everybody's hiding something from someone. And I kind of love that as we're going along watching this. There are some things you can kind of tell like that they continue to bring up through multiple episodes that they're getting across to the viewer – just in case you start off with like, you know, episode blue instead of episode yellow. It's like, you know, they'll reiterate certain things at the end of the episode that which. But it still works for me so far. I haven't completed it, so I can't say it's 100 percent like, you know, uh, a success. But so far, um, I'm loving this series. So, uh, Joe, um, so I'm at a Tupperware. I love it. I, I can't wait to finish it. it it's a Tupperware. I can't, I'm not going to give it a high taste because I haven't finished it yet. It's done its job to make me want to finish it. So I'm at a Tupperware right now. Right now I'm at a Tupperware. Now that could change once I finish it. Then I'll give you the high taste it rating or a taste it rating. But right now it's done its job. I can't wait to finish this eight part series. Uh, Joe, Kaleidoscope. Yeah, I, I've watched all of it. Um, the the Violet episode was my first one in my watching order. And so right off the bat, I'm like, oh, my God, how many episodes am I going to have to look at Giancarlo Esposito, who's this amazing actor, just look like absolute dog shit here. It's like, come on, guys, you should have sprung for some of that, that MCU tech and like de-aged him with more than just makeup because it, it was laughably bad. Um but but that first episode, it did it gave me a lot of anxiety watching it where it right away I had this feeling of you don't know who you can trust in this. And I I kept I kept watching the 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 whole experiment of this of like, oh, you can watch it in any order just as long as you watch the white episode last. And you know, that is the that's the actual heist itself, and that's on everybody's watching order. That's episode eight. But the the first seven episodes, it's it's totally randomized for each Netflix account. And uh, each each episode itself is self-contained to a, a certain time period in relation to the heist. There's um uh there's five episodes that take place before the heist, two episodes that take place after the heist, and then with the finale being the the heist itself. And I feel like with this method of storytelling, like it's like I, I always think back to to Quentin Tarantino and the first time I watched Pulp Fiction with this out of order storytelling. When it's done right, it's it's awesome. And I feel like to do it right, you have to very thoughtfully put the places of the plot in. You have to, you have to put the pieces of the plot in place and have them be told in the right order and at the right time. And with it just being randomized the way it was, I, I I think that everybody's 
experience on this is going to hit a little bit differently. And for me, I, I, the, the whole thing was just, I was, I was at a taste it for the most part going through this. Cause I was very intrigued with, with how the whole thing was going to go. The second episode I got was the blue episode that takes place five days before the heist. And so that one got me really, really stoked. Cause it's, I mean, that's the episode where they're really kind of laying out exactly how everything's going to go in this heist. And and you can see some of the tensions among the group and stuff like that. And that episode got me really excited. And then it just felt like I had to then go through, you know, six more episodes before I could really find out what was going on. And, And in those episodes, in those six, I also had to watch ones that were taking place after the heist. And when I finally got to the heist itself and watched that last episode for me, I just, I I was left very disappointed overall and mostly just left wondering, had I watched this in a different, more thoughtful order, would it have been a better experience? Cause I did like the performances and what you were saying about Jai Courtney, man, this guy does an excellent job at making you hate him going into this. And and uh, the of course, Giancarlo Esposito, he's the guy's just magic in almost everything he does. And I love a heist movie like the the Oceans movies are just fantastic for me. I love the way it all comes together. But but one of the things that's so great about the Oceans movies is that these guys are like a family and they're not out to try and fuck each other over. And so that difference in this, it adds this layer of uncertainty and anxiety watching it. But when it was all said and done, I I, 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 I couldn't believe it. it. It went from me being like, Oh, I'm really interested. I'm going to knock this whole thing out. I want to see how it goes. And then when it was all said and done, I was like, Oh, fuck this. I don't like it. And for me, it's a toss it. Wow. I, I don't, I don't like Whoa. the way they presented the story. I wish they would have done it in a more thoughtful way. Uh, I think this suffers from the whole experiment yeah. of it all. And I, I think that also there's too many episodes in this. I think they should have tightened that story down quite a bit more. They they should have leaned more into telling a quality story and less into the, the gimmick of it all. God damn. Here's the thing, Joe. It's like Holy shit. I'm, I've watched five episodes and I think like my rating is 100% down to the viewing order in which I've seen it because every episode that I've seen takes place before the heist. I, yeah. I've seen uh, yellow, which was six weeks before. Then I went to green, which was seven years before. Then I went to blue, which was five days before. Then I went to orange, which was three weeks before. And then my last episode that I saw was violet, which was 24 years before. And the viewing order that I've watched it in, I've really enjoyed it so far. Like I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it actually. So. I, I think it really does come down to the viewing order in which you see it possibly. I mean, Shit. I I think so. I, I almost wish I could go back in time and watch it in chronological order instead. Yeah. And, and say, hey, even though I understand you want me to watch white as episode eight, I'm going to watch it as episode six because I want to see this thing chronologically. Um, and I did see some comments from people on Twitter like um, uh, Stephen King had put the, hey, I watched Kaleidoscope, and he's like, I watched it in chronological order, and I really liked it that way. Wow. Fucking good for you, dude. (laughs) 
Joe's mad at Stephen King. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm jealous. Yeah. I'm jealous that he got to enjoy this. But, but Joe's the it was one such, that sold me on this. <laughs> well, it, was, it, was a, it was a weird experience because it was like I started it. I started it very uncertain, having that Violet episode first. Yeah. But then the Blue episode next, the Blue episode is just, yeah, five days before the heist. That is maybe the most exciting episode in the series. It was great, yeah. It was so good. The way that they were – because, you know, I mean, the first Violet's 24 years before the heist. And so it, it's all very much of that time. And then you get to Blue and it's like you're seeing this very high-tech vault – uh, Giancarlo Esposito, the way that he's laying out this, the way that they're going to do it and the way that it's cut in with sequences of, of them getting stuff ready. It got me really excited. And then it was just a long lull. And then I had both of the future episodes back to back. And so I felt like that spoiled quite a bit of stuff that was going to happen. So instead of being excited during the the white episode, instead, I'm just waiting for these different beats to happen because I know where the characters are at afterwards. And so it it deflated it for me a little bit, and it, it 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 really took the wind out of my sails, I guess you could say, and and my my hype for it just stopped, and I finished it more out of a sense of, well, I've come this far, let's finish it, and yeah. So in the end, it sadly it didn't work for me, and the more I thought about it, the, the more upset I got, and I was like, you know what, fuck this, I'm tossing it. <laughs> <laughs> Joe even tweeted Stephen King, fuck you. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Shouldn't you be writing another book? Yeah, no shit. No. It spits out a new one once a week. <laughs> At least George R. R. Martin didn't speak up about watching this. It's like, that's the guy that really needs to fucking put the fucking pen to paper, right? Anyway, I'm, I, man, now, you, honestly, I've never heard a review about a show to where I'm loving this show and then Joe tells me about it to where, like, now, like, I'm not as excited to finish this fucking thing. But because of your you viewing next. order, dude, you're you're having an entirely different experience with the show than I am. Yeah, that's true. And, and yeah. that's what makes this thing – I mean from the one angle I will admit, yeah, it makes it interesting. But if it leads to to uneven viewing experiences for your audience, was it the smartest thing to do? The gimmick doesn't work. No. Uh-uh. No, it, it didn't work for me. Uh-uh. Paul, kaleidoscope. Oh, the gimmick worked for me. <laughs> like, like, I am at an absolute Tupperware, but, okay, so I just want to compare fucking colors right now, because my first episode was orange. Mine was yellow. Okay, mine was orange, which is... Three weeks before. We- orange is three weeks before. My second episode was yellow. That was my first episode, which was six weeks before. Okay, so I went from three weeks before to six weeks before. My third episode was green, which I think is seven years before. Yep. Green was my seven years. Yeah, green was my second episode. Okay, fourth was blue. Blue is my third. Five days before. Blue is five days before. And then I had violet, which is 24 years before. Yeah, this is exciting for listeners figuring out like what I, order and we then watched. I have red. When does red happen? That's the morning after the heist. The morning after. Okay. Red so happens red. once a month for. 
for <laughs> it could go on for you know decades, Paul. Violent red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Then I had Pink. Pink is my favorite episode of the whole show. I love Pink. And then, so Pink was my penultimate, and then White was my last one. Yeah, it sounds like White was everybody's last one, Paul. <laughs> you're, not, you're not special there, Paul. <laughs> I I fucking love this. I, 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 I also really love the idea because I was talking to like four other people at work today that watched this. We're like, oh, what color did you start with? <laughs> like, like I think it's a cool way to – like I think it's a very in, in, like invent, inventive way to talk about a show to get in a different order where in a sense it does all fit together. But – I also, like, I don't know. It's kind of weird to say, like, I kind of love that Joe hated it, too, because it also, like, it's just such a different experience that someone could be like, oh, I fucking hate this. But I could be like, oh, I love the way because I love it because of the way I got it. It's just fucking crazy. Like, like, this was a fun experiment to do. I don't know. That makes me kind of sound like an asshole, but I kind of just want to tell people to fucking watch it in chronological chronological order now. <laughs> like, right? I don't know, but I guess part yeah. of the fun is the experiment of it all. You know, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I almost feel like, and I kind of want to tell someone to watch it like in descending order because, from what I've been led to believe. You can't watch the final episode until you've watched the seven other episodes. Hmm. I don't know how true that is, but that like someone told me like I couldn't access white until I watched all the other shows, like all the other episodes. You got to pay more for your Netflix subscription to do that. (laughs) That's That's a $20 a month right there. Well, like a lady at work was like they call it white they call it white privilege she pulled up <laughs> sorry <laughs> welcome to our white privilege tier of netflix <laughs> Anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry, no, I'm. But like, she showed us on her Netflix. She's like, I can't access white. Like, she's like, white's not an option right now. Huh? Yeah, I'd have that's to go. Weird. And, I'd have to go and look because I haven't finished it yet. So I'd have to go and check and see if that's true. Yeah. So like, like Netflix is trying to make white the last episode you watch. Yeah. Which I like. I I kind of love that concept, but. Like, it's weird. I feel bad that Joe hated it, but I kind of also kind of love that this experiment works in both ways. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's different. I'm, I am going to finish it. I do want to see the heist and what goes down. But, but yeah. Man, I got to say, dude, I got the I got the fucking biggest crush on uh, fucking Rosalina or Rosalina 
Rosaline Elbay who plays Judy. Like she is she is fucking fantastic in this series. Keep your Andre Dick in your pants, Paul. Christ. I'm kidding. Like two incher. <laughs> <laughs> that looks more impressive on your regular size body. That looks fucking great, right, Joe? <laughs> you can't you can't put that baby cock on Andre, Andre the Giant though. That's just not <laughs> that dad boss rocking that tootsie roll. <laughs> Oh man, that's kaleidoscope. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? What do you think, Joe? Do you think people should be watching this in chronological order? It's a dumb question to ask you. I, I personally, yeah. I I think I probably would have liked it better. I I just feel like putting those post heist episodes before the finale. That's dumb. It, it is. It's dumb. It it's it's a dumb idea because. It's like if you can put one and two together, then you know what's going to happen in the heist. That's fucking stupid. You don't stupid. know the exact nuts and bolts of it, but you know the broad enough strokes that by the time I was into it and watching it, I'm just kind of like checking boxes as I go. And, and there, were, there, there wasn't that sense of excitement that there should have been in a finale, you know? Mm-hmm. Because it was like before you got to the finale, it was like someone came in and, and told you a bunch of spoilers. And it's like, sure, you don't know the exact nature of how it's going to go down, but you more or less know what's going to go down. And and for me, it was it was a, it was a real bummer. I I think that had they tightened the script up and and had they actually given it a, and it's fine to tell a story out of order, but you got to be thoughtful when you do it and 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 do it in such a way that it's going to heighten the the viewing experience and not detract from it. And unfortunately for me, it, it detracted because looking at my my watching order now, the the red and pink ones are the ones that take place after it, and those were the ones that lined up right before I watched the finale. So maybe had I got those ones more towards the beginning of the season, they wouldn't have been so fresh in my mind. Yeah, but like you know, watching those are my next two. Oh shit! So that part of your your order is going to be really similar to mine then. Mm-hmm. You watched all these. That these before episodes yeah. where you get the two after ones and then immediately go into the finale. I think it's dumb that they have two after episodes. With the stuff that, that they show in those? Yeah. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> I, I tend to agree. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it's up to you, dude. You you might enjoy it a little bit more watching watching white if assuming Netflix lets you. <laughs> I'll just fucking play those. I'll let those play. I'll let those play through and won't watch them. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, or or just follow with the experiment and watch them. And if you feel like it ruined it, then you'll be like, yeah, it ruined it. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm not the best one to give you advice on this because there's a part of me that's pretty bitter about this show. Cause I feel like it (laughs) could have been way better. Yeah. And, and, there's nothing worse than being super excited about something and then in the course of it you're like, is this? Is it? And then by the time you come to that realization of no, it's not, then it's like for me it comes with all this like, wow, what a fucking waste of eight hours of my life. I'm never going to get Dude, back. You sounded like every woman who never got an orgasm. <laughs> During summer lover. Sorry, Paul. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to throw you into this. <laughs> you know, I got the tire tracks. It's cool. It's cool. 
<laughs> no, which is crazy because based like on our like messages, I felt like Joe for sure was gonna be like, "Hey, this is a fucking Tupperware." Like I just, oof. This is I know crazy. when you said that you were like had the obsession with the the Judy character or whatever. I was like, how about you? How far have you watched? <laughs> oh, I still love her. I still, <laughs> I still want to like fuck the actual actress. I'm gonna propose to Judy herself. It's not gonna end well. <laughs> I hey man, has anything? <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Hey. Uh. No, I'm ta- hey, hey, I'm talking from personal experience. All right, I got you. Yeah. Hype man, baby. I might as well just name every ex-girlfriend I've ever had as name them Judy. Nah, man, <laughs> just listen to the 90s music episodes. We got you. Yeah, no shit. All right, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Yeah, Paul told me we're getting a violent night too. Yes, it's happening. That's good. It's on P. Yeah. It's on. Uh, it's on Peacock now. Yep, you it's can stream Peacock. it now on Peacock. Yeah, and but- that was the worst thing that happened to me this weekend with all the PCL homework. Seeing that violent night dropped, like I had to watch it. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it. I just noticed that it dropped today, and uh, I haven't watched it yet at home. But uh, it's exciting. We're getting uh, Tron Three. Is it's happening? It is happening. Uh, Tron Three, Maleficent Two, director and talks to helm the sequel. Production start date set. Uh, Deadline is reporting that uh, Joakim Roning, the director of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, is in talks to direct the upcoming sequel to 2010's Tron Legacy. According to the outlet, the film's crew is currently being assembled and an August production date start uh, pr- August production start date in Vancouver is being eyed. The sequel will start Jared Leto, marking yet another collaboration between Leto and Disney after this year's Haunted Mansion movie. And um, Leto had previously stated on several occasions that he would be playing a character named Ares in the proposed film and even revealed the film's title as Tron Ares is in a now deleted tweet from 2020. And um, so, yeah, it's happening. Tron 3 is happening. I love the original Tron. Big fan of that when I was a kid. Uh, And I was one of the people that really enjoyed Tron Legacy. I, I, I love Tron Legacy. Um, so I am excited about Tron 3. I just, I want to see it in 3D. I, I'm not excited about this director, though, sadly. So I don't know if it's the guy to be doing this. That's my biggest worry is the actual director. I know a lot of people tell you Jared Leto. I don't have, I don't. I don't have the biggest. I don't have a big problem with Jared Leto. I think. I think when the guy does act, he can act. I mean, um, what was the fucking Matthew McConaughey movie he won the Oscar for? He was fantastic in that. Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas, Dallas Buyers, Buyers Club. Buyers He's great in that. Club. I don't have a. I don't have a huge problem with Jared Leto. Um, but I, and I love Tron, so I'm just worried about the director and. Uh, I'm worried about like what they're going to be doing in this one because of where the last movie left off and bringing Tron into the real world. And 
I don't know if that's something I want to see on screen. I just like being inside that cyber world. I think that's the exciting shit. Uh, I love the Tron Legacy soundtrack by Daft Punk. I think it's fucking awesome. But who knows what we're going to get with Tron 3. I am excited for it, but uh, I don't know. Uh, Joe, are you a fan of Tron? Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I love the original. I, w- I also was one of the few who enjoyed Tron Legacy. And like what you just mentioned with the soundtrack, I was actually listening to that Daft Punk soundtrack earlier. It's number one. I I, I love almost everything Daft Punk does. And and when when I heard the soundtrack on Legacy, I was just blown away. I was like, oh, fuck, yes. And uh, uh, I'm not as familiar with this director. So I don't have. I don't have the apprehension of the director on this one. Um, and it, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about Jared Leto, but I, I do agree that when he puts in a good performance, it is a good performance, but he, he is one of those people that's, that's a, enough of a weirdo that it, <laughs> it gives me a little bit of pause on this. Just hoping that, that, that doesn't cause this to be something less than, uh, I, I do agree with you also curious where this plot's going to go because the way Tron legacy ends, it it just, I, I have no idea what they're going to do. And, but I, I don't know is, as long as they got a creative plot there, they got the effects to go with it. They, they can write an exciting story. They got to somehow tie us back into that world because those were the biggest parts of the first two movies was the fact that all this was going on in in this little world that was just inside of a computer and and with with some of the characters coming out of the computer and into the real world at the end of the second one it's i'm just not sure what they're going to do with this one and and sadly with with Daft punk not being together anymore mm-hmm. I, I, i'm a little worried about what the soundtrack will be like for the third one just because i the soundtrack for the second one was such a huge thing for me get ludwig van uh What's his name? Ludwig Van Morrison, the guy who did Van Gorison yeah, from Mandalorian. Yeah, Ludwig Van Gorison, the guy from uh, Mandalorian, and then also Thor Ragnarok. Right? He did Thor Ragnarok. Ben. That'd be a good one. Or, or um, uh, Trent Reznor and, and Atticus Finch would be good too. That's great. Yeah, that's Ross. even better. Atticus Finch. What is that? That's To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I agree. That's even better. I any names right in this episode. No, he did Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'm sorry. He didn't do Thor Ragnarok. Gorenson. But yeah, get the fucking Trent Reznor. Um, and then also, like, you know, the original, well, Tron Legacy had uh, Joseph Kaczynski directing it. He's the Top Gun Maverick director. And uh, Oh, nice. I didn't know he was the director of that one. Yeah. I mean... And then the, you replace him with this guy? I mean, I'm sorry. I never saw – I saw that Pirates movie. It's not good. And I saw – I didn't see the Maleficent sequel. I saw the original one and I enjoyed it. But um, this is not – this is uninspired as far as, as far as the choice of the director. I'm not sold. I So I don't know. Paul, uh, Tron, do you have any Tron love? I mean, I, I, my name is Paul, and I too also love Legacy. Like, nice. It sounds like there needs to be yeah. a group. Um, <laughs> like, I get like most of the people listening to this 
either didn't watch it or don't like Legacy. It's very few and far between. I know Jake enjoyed it as well. So, oh yeah, yeah. like fucking Garrett Hudson, like he was he was great. Yeah, uh, but um, my biggest concern was kind of what Joe was saying, like Daft Punk, like you guys are broken up. Like, come on, we fucking need you. And I think I think Tron is a perfect fit for Jared Leto. Like, I'm all about that casting. He seems to fit into this perfectly. But, man, when you say that Maverick director did that and he's not coming back, like, oof. Like, and I have seen Maleficent 2, and it's it's nowhere near as good as the first one. Yeah. So it, it, it does give me cause for worry, but... And I don't, I don't want the real world stuff. Like, let's stay in Tron. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what I want. I mean, yeah. I, and I want to see this movie in 3D. You know, it's a perfect yes. 3D movie. So IMAX 3D, IMAX huh? 3D, Tron 3. Fucking do it. It dude. should just be yeah. called Tron 3D. Yes, 100. percent Yeah. But yeah, my biggest hangup is the Daft Punk. Like. Like they were such an incredible driving force behind that movie, and I just love them in general. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be weird to not see them part of this, but I'll be there opening night. Yeah, me too, man. Tron three, it's happening. I didn't think it was going to. I really didn't. Even with like Jared Leto saying stuff, a lot of these movies just fall by the wayside. It's actually happening. So that's hopefully it's good. We'll just have to wait and see. Let's move on into the – that's all I got for news, guys, unless you guys had any other news stories. I just didn't really have a lot. Um, But I got Marvel news. news i literally just added this story before we recorded so i haven't even read it but i just wanted to i wanted to read it on the podcast because the title caught me it's from dark horizons and it's marvel's feige on avoiding superhero fatigue interesting it says a study of over 5,000 movie tv and gaming fans between the ages of 13 and 54 was conducted by fandom in november last year and revealed that superhero fatigue had become a real issue The result indicated over 33% of Marvel fans had gotten fatigued with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a considerably higher amount than the 20% of fans who said the same thing about the DCEU. Outside of that survey, more generalized talk of superhero fatigue has set in among not just cinephiles but casual moviegoers and could be seen in articles over the way that Top Gun Maverick and Avatar The Way of Water, two films outside the genre, beat Marvel at the box office in 2022. Uh, Speaking with the Movie Business Podcast, Marvel President and Chief Creative Officer Kevin Feige was asked how he tackles the issue of superhero fatigue among moviegoers especially with Marvel pushing out so much product to cinemas and on streaming of late. 
Feige says he's heard these concerns before, quote, I've been at Marvel Studios for 22 years now, over 22 years, and most of us here at Marvel Studios have been around a decade or longer together. From probably my second year at Marvel, people were asking, well, how long is this going to last? Is this fad of comic book movies going to end? I didn't really understand the question because to me, I was asking to, it was akin to saying after Gone with the Wind, well, how many more movies can be made off of novels? Do you think the audience will sour on movies being adapted from books? Feige goes on to say that just like books, comics can offer a range of stories to keep the genre fresh. Quote, there are 80 years of all of the most interesting, emotional, groundbreaking stories that have been told in the Marvel comics. And it is our great privilege to be able to take what we have and adapt them. I found that if we tell the story right, and we adapt them in a way that the audience still, knock on wood so far, is following us following us along 22 plus years later that we can tell any types of movies that share two things. Um, the comments come as Marvel is about to kick off Phase 5 with uh, the release of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania on February 17th. Um, so, that's interesting. I, I, I do agree with him. That uh, I don't think comic book movies are a fad. I think we're past that. I think it's become its own kind of like category of movies. And even 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 just comic book movies, I think it's its own genre. Like it's, a, you know, like even if it's not Marvel and DC, you still have, you know, images making things uh, like these independent publishers, these independent stories. I think that could still be adapted. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Red Sonia and, uh, you know, Judge Dredd and all these other different types of comics that are out there. You know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, people f- seem to forget that that originally came from a black and white comic. Um, yeah. you know, Walking Dead came from a comic. Um, The Watchmen came from a comic. Like all these things come from comics. And so I don't see it going away, but I do see audiences Man, you can't deny that 2022 really did show that there was a little bit of superhero fatigue when it came to Phase 5. Uh, excuse me, Phase 4 um, in the MCU. Uh, Marvel did not dominate the box office. Top Gun Maverick and Avatar, The Way of Water, dominated the box office in 2022. I think a lot of it came down to... Yeah, I think a lot of it came down to I think cinema goers didn't want something, and I'm not saying all Marvel movies do this, and I'm, a, but a lot of movies have been a, have been really preachy lately, and Top Gun Maverick was like not a preachy movie at all. You know what no. I mean? Down to the point where it's like you don't even know who what country they're going up against. <laughs> they just call them the enemy because they don't. It's it's. It's just trying to entertain audiences, right? It's not. It's not preachy. It's not this. It's not that. Um, and I think, you know, uh, a lot of people are kind of like, oh my gosh, am I going to, if I'm going to go into this movie, like, what are they going to try to fucking, uh, you know, what kind of moral are they going to try to teach me in this one? Sometimes I, I believe we do need to hear it. I think some directors and storytellers go about it in a very great, in a great way. Um, and I do think that movies need to be a product of their time, but Top Gun Maverick, I think is like one of those movies where I think, in 20 years, you can go back and still enjoy it and appreciate it for what it was. It was just a, a fun cinematic 
theatrical experience for everybody. A timeless movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Avatar The Way of Water, of course, you know, uh, it's much in the same way that Top Gun Maverick was like, you know, just a, just a cinematic experience. It did it as well. It was just like the 3D and the, and a better story and uh, visually captivating seeing that in IMAX 3D or 3D or however you watched it. But, um, the marvel of it all. Yeah, we're getting too much. The stories aren't, I don't think they're as cohesive and, uh, and, and as good as they were, um, you know, in the, the way it culminated to the end game. So it's not completed yet, but I, I think I, the, the proof is, the proof is here in this story that, that, and from the people that were polled that Marvel isn't, uh, they aren't king shit of fuck mountain like they were. Um, they're still pulling in great box office though. I, you can't deny it, but in a year where Top Gun Maverick and Avatar beat them out, Something's got to give, right? Something's got to give. Because you yeah, don't... got to take a hard look at, at what they're doing moving forward and look at what was successful about phases one through three, what was unsuccessful about phase four, and then really tighten up what they're doing for the next phases five and six. Do we have compelling character... Do we have as... as do we have as compelling of characters as we did in the first three phases because i'm telling you i mean i there's a lot of characters i love going forward but can you really fill the shoes of captain america and tony star high it set the bar really high didn't they paul they sure did because like we do we do have very interesting characters like we have echo and stuff who very well could be but god damn you look at you know like you just said captain america and tony stark how do you how do you top that i don't think <laughs> personally i don't think you can I, i'm sorry i it's I, hard to do i don't know if you can it's yeah, very there's hard. just so many great stories in in marvel comics that that's really what they need to be going back to and they need to get back to just telling good stories. And and I think part of the reason that we're not as connected to some of these new characters that we're getting in phase four is just because they've dumped so many on us that we haven't been able to spend as much time with them and with them also giving us so much content. It, it doesn't leave you in a place where you're missing that Marvel fix. And so you're going back and rewatching shit over and over again. At least that's what it, my experience feels like it, what it's been. Yeah. Um, cause I haven't done a ton of rewatching out of phase four where there, whereas the previous phases, I just rewatched them over and over and over. Sure. Again. I think like Shang Chi's like been the big one for me to go back and rewatch, you know? Oh, same. I've lost track of the amount of times I've watched that one, but yeah, but then that's one of those ones that really gives me hope that they still know what they're doing and they can still do good stuff. Same with Wakanda forever with Spider-Man, no way home. Those were, mm-hmm. were were real shining stars for me, and that's yeah. kind of what I'm holding on to going into this next phase and hoping that they're going to be able to tighten this all up and give us a more cohesive story. Maybe I don't know, dude. The 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 more that I think about it, the the more I I'm tending to agree with you that that these shows on Disney Plus weren't the best idea. Oh. Uh, 
I mean, you know yeah. what's hilarious is I'm looking right now on Facebook at my on my phone and I follow the Onion, and their newest article says billionaire who makes billions off of comic book movies tries to reassure himself that no one will get tired of comic book movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, comics themselves have lasted this long, yeah. And in the you know they have periods where sometimes they're they're really hot, other times the, it's really low, but they've still managed to stick around. And I think the same can be said of the movies. They just need to continue giving us good movies. I mean, there's hey, just just look at the DC look at the DC well, movies versus the the Marvel movies. It's a clear example of one studio getting it wrong and another studio getting it far closer to right. And so there is a spectrum of what can be done here. And, it, and ultimately, to me, it needs to come down to good stories, being well acted, but and and giving us stuff that we can really care about and connect to. Well, and it's funny you say that, Joe. Like, now with, like, you know, the new change at DC, like, we could kind of see, like, a resurgence. Like, like let's say... You know, Gunn comes out and makes some amazing movies. Well, now Marvel has to try to up that. Like, we could have a whole resurgence of the comic book genre just because of competition in itself. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe Marvel feels stagnant. Like, hey, we don't have to be great because there's no one better than us. But now all of a sudden, here comes DC with a great fucking Superman movie, with a great new hope of a universe and they're just kind of knocking out of the park and marvel's like well wait a minute we have to up ourselves like we got stagnant maybe we got lazy maybe we got comfortable like now we have to make sure everyone knows that marvel's the premier comic book movie making company competition breeds success it breeds success man yeah. And I think maybe maybe that's on the horizon. Like Gun might Gun and Saffron might be the shot in the arm this genre needs to continue to get butts in the seats. I hope you're right, man. I really do. It'll be interesting to see though, like how audiences respond to a new Superman movie after you know after Cavill and just like I don't know, like even like you know, we got the 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 Suicide Squad, which I which I felt like was a, a huge improvement over you know the David Ayer Suicide Squad, but it just didn't put the butts in the seats um, that they thought it was going to. Even though they're like you know throwing James Gunn's name up, you know the director from Guardians of the Galaxy up on the screen, like it you know it just didn't do you know record numbers or anything like that. It's it's. It's crazy. It's crazy. It'll be interesting to see how casuals react to the new DCU. Yeah. Yeah, but I think there's potential here. Like, I think we create a whole new war, like, of comic book movies. Like, yeah. hey, this DC movie was better than a lot of these Marvel movies. Like, well, and Marvel's like, hang on. Like, we're going to show you what we can do. Mm-hmm. Like... It could be very exciting or it could blow up in our face. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Part of the, part of the, you know, I loved what we got in Endgame. 
I loved it. But then oh, part yeah. of part of going into this is just like saying goodbye to Cap and Tony and them not being a part of this. Like in a in a yes, there's rumors. Settle down. But uh you know, they're not involved to the capacity that they were in the first three phases. It's like we're not we're not always gonna get those moments of like, you know, Thor hasn't seen Cap in years or, you know, a while. It's been a while and we get to see these two like, you know, talk to each other on screen as they're fighting, you know, against other, you know, villains and shit like that. And like just the banter between those two. We came to love it. We came to love it. And I, the problem is like, you know, I love Shang-Chi, but I haven't seen the way he interacts with other Marvel characters. And I and I wanna see some of this stuff. I mean, I still feel like we haven't seen a lot of Captain Marvel interacting with other Marvel characters, you know? We, yeah, we got it a little bit here in Endgame and stuff like that. But I, as the universe has gotten bigger, I think the relationships between characters has gotten smaller, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's because it's so spread out. Mm-hmm. Whereas originally we had a, a relatively small pool of characters. And so interconnecting them meant that you were always going to be seeing these characters. You were going to be getting more and more development between these character relationships and stuff. Whereas now in phase four, so many fucking characters, plus the legacy characters that are still around, it's all so spread out that it's like these people are now, you know, previously it was like they were in a village and they were all seeing each other all the time. Well, now they're in a big giant city and they're rarely seeing each other. And it's such a huge cast of characters that how do you make it? It, it, it like intimate in the way that these first couple phases were. Yeah. Cause it didn't start getting huge and wild until we were like civil war was the first one where we were really reading these news stories that they're going to be how many heroes together on the screen. This yeah. is fucking amazing, you know? And then it just snowballs and gets bigger and bigger. And I understand in phase four, they got to reset all the blocks, put the dominoes back up again, all that shit. But it's it's just it's gotten so big that you're right that you don't have these interactions between characters near as as often. No, you don't. I mean, it's you know I, I mean, we, next time we see Moon Knight, is he going to be an, interacting with with some of the heroes that we love? And will it? I don't know. It's it, it, we just haven't spent enough time. Like even like, I didn't love Avengers: Age of Ultron, but it was more time with our characters together on screen. You know what I mean? So by, by the time you get to like that big culmination, that finale, that's what I'm worried about with Secret Wars. I feel like they, I feel like they felt like oh, Spider Man No Way Home. A lot of what worked in that movie was the fact that we got to see all the Spider Men together on the screen at the same time, and. That's what I'm worried about with Secret Wars. I think it's going to be fun. I think people are going to love it. I really do. But I feel like, is is that the trick here? Is that how we're going to trick audiences into actually just loving this movie? Is the fact that we're going to be pulling every single actor that's ever played any character that we can possibly get and throw them into this movie. And it's just going to be like scene after scene of, People like cheering like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're seeing Halle Berry Storm again or Famke Jansen, you know, fucking um, uh, 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 Jean Grey and all these, you know, like they're throwing them all in there. Right. And like, is that what we're going to be excited about when we see Secret Wars? Because for me, what was awesome about Endgame was an Infinity War was the fact that we've spent so much time in these individual movies and. 
And we've spent so much time with Cap and Tony and, uh, you know, Thor uh, building relationships with all these characters. But I haven't seen relationships built with the new characters that we've gotten. I, I still haven't seen, you know, Captain Marvel and Shang-Chi and and all these characters interacting with each other. I, I don't know how their dynamic is. Yet. It doesn't feel earned. It doesn't. Like, and it, it, the Endgame fan service was earned. The Secret Wars could feel just fake and empty. Yeah. Just doing it to do it. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I want to see it, and I, you know, I think people are going to come out in droves to watch it. But we'll see if it has the emotional impact that Infinity War and Endgame had. I guess is what I'm, you know, yeah, there's going to be the, the, the wow factor of like, holy shit, there's Hugh Jackman and there's Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. They're on the same, they're in the screen together. Like the, you know, you had these guys doing movies for Sony. You had, uh, you know, Hugh Jackman making the Fox X-Men. They're on the screen together with heroes that we know from the MCU. This is wild. But is that it? Is it just the the shock, the wow factor? Or or like I'm talking like Endgame when fucking Cat picks up the hammer, you know, when Tony sacrifices himself. Like oh, that's just when we hear Avengers assemble. Yes. I mean, come on. I don't know, man. Um, I'm not saying I'm down on Marvel. I can't wait to see Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. I'm not down on Marvel. I just think that I think the world's gotten so big that the relationships have gotten smaller. Yeah, no, I agree because at this point in the game and especially with the multiverse in play, spectacles a given. Yeah. So they're going to have to dig deeper than spectacle to really hook audiences in that same way that they did Mm -hmm. with the culmination of phase three. Yeah. News from Murphy's multiverse. Uh, Missing Thunderbolts artwork may add to add weight to recent rumors. This isn't huge. It looks like it looks like we might not be getting Ghost in the movie. I'll I'll read on with this. Rumors are making the rounds that one of the most unique additions might not be a part of the film. It seems that the original artwork is no longer available on Andy Park's Instagram channel and even missing from the official Marvel Studios Instagram account. There was that original artwork of all the characters that were going to be in the Thunderbolts movie, and it looks like it's no longer available. Regarding the rumor, the internet has been discussing whether one of its key members may no longer appear in the film. Ant-Man and the Wasp introduced one of its most unique villains in Ava Star, better known as Ghost. She was played by the talented Hannah John Kamen, who had yet to return to the franchise. Now the rumors are pointing to her potentially no longer being part of the film, which might be a reason they took down the artwork. Uh, of course, there's no confirmation in regards to why it is no longer available on their official accounts, they tend to rewrite these projects quite frequently, and who knows if they might have taken some of the feedback to heart and want to expand the team beyond the cast we've already seen. It would be a shame if one of the characters uh, with a unique ability would end up not appearing, but we'll have to see once more news drops. I don't understand this story. If they, if they took the artwork down and then people are just speculating that it's Ghost, where did that rumor come from? I guess it's just like a somebody... I don't know. Like, I don't know who's throwing out that rumor that Ghost isn't showing up, but uh, it does make you wonder if they're going to be adding more or taking somebody out of that cast. Uh. Yeah, 
<clears throat> excuse me. I was thinking that I had seen Can We Get Some Toast going back and forth on this. And I was just scrolling through his Twitter to try and find it. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two days ago, uh, they came back and said, false alarm, ghost will appear in Thunderbolts. But uh, seven days ago, they were saying no ghost in Thunderbolts. So it sounds like the scoopers don't even really know what's going on with this either at this point. It's just interesting that the artwork's been taken down for some reason. And that was official artwork that was dropped at... Uh, one of the conventions, I think it was, was it the San Diego Comic-Con? That sounds right. Oh, shit. I'm not sure. It, there was Celebration and then there was San Diego Comic-Con. I think the Thunderbolt stuff was announced. It doesn't matter. It was official artwork and now it's gone. Yeah. And I was a little bit confused with Ghost showing up again anyway, because I was thinking that they had, I was thinking that she had been cured at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, but maybe cured in insofar as that she just has a better handle on her powers now. But I don't know. I, I guess we're going to find out. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Got it. There, uh, there's a ton of new rumors this week from at Thwipped on Twitter. And yeah, Thwipped was basically saying, hey, if I hit, uh, what was it? What was the number? If I hit like a thousand followers this week, I'll, I'm going to drop a bunch of Marvel scoops, possible you know, Marvel. These are, you know, possible rumors, possible, possibly, uh, possible scoops, possible leaks. And I'm just going to, I'm going to go through these. Some of them are super exciting. Um, Casey is in Deadpool 3. Casey from the Loki series. Oh, fun. <laughs> the guy who's cool. working at the desk that has all the, the Tesseracts and shit in his, yeah. his drawer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Jackman Wolverine will get his comic accurate yellow suit in Deadpool 3. Oh, yes, please. We've all been waiting for it, man. 20 plus years. Give it to us yeah, already. I was say, for so long. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I can confirm Miss Minutes is in Deadpool 3. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Uh, expect some returning past X-Men characters to show up. In Deadpool three, I'd say even more. I, you know, I, I, Paul, it goes back to that rumor of you know Deadpool killing the Fox universe. If that's true, I want that so hard. Me too. Yeah, like let's make it a road trip buddy comedy. You know, like forty eight hours type of thing. Like fuck, let's do it. Check this I'm out. Oh, I'm, I'm here for it too, man. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I can't wait for Deadpool 3. I think Deadpool 3 is probably my most anticipated. Uh, <clears throat> there'll be several different teams in Kang Dynasty, some of which include Caps Avengers, Strange's 616 Illuminati, and Captain Marvel Cosmic Squad. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I'm guess we're, I guess we're seeing uh, Carol Danvers and uh, Monica Rambeau and Ms. Marvel as the Cosmic Squad with Strange's 616 Illuminati <laughs> and Cap's Avengers. What? That's fucking insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Give pl- it to me. Marvel plans on Avatar level 3D for Kang and Secret Wars. Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. 
Live action versions. This one's awesome. Live action versions of some Into the Spider-Verse characters will be in Secret Wars. <gasps> oh, sick. Dude. <laughs> yeah, that's I, exciting. I think it's premature. Listen, I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, but I do think it is premature. And listen to my reasoning here. I do think it is premature to think that we're going to get Miles Morales, though. Um, I think we might get – I would think like they would try to get like Nicolas Cage to play like noir Spider-Man, you know, maybe get a live action version of, you know, Peter Porker, Spider-Ham. That would be fun. Um, That's one of the first characters I went to in my mind. Yeah. Yes. But but as far as getting Miles Morales, I think we might be jumping the gun. You would have to cast that actor and i don't think that marvel wants excuse me sony wants to cast that actor until tom holland is done with his character and they pass the torch which i think like we would probably get a spider-man movie which would be miles morales and tom holland's spider-man and he passes the torch uh to miles morales and then we can go we can go forward with the Miles Morales Spider-Man being a part of the MCU at that point if that's where we are. I just think it's premature to cast a Miles Morales yet. I don't think Sony's ready for it. Do I want to see a live action Miles Morales? Fuck yeah. Do I think we're going to get it? Fuck yeah. Do I think we're going to get it in Secret Wars? Fuck no. I don't. Yeah. I jeez. I, uh, <clears throat> I agree with you, dude. I I think that that Spider-Man is Sony's crown jewel character. And putting Miles Morales in something before they're really ready to do it, it's it's not a smart business decision. And, and this is going to come down to being a business decision for them. And so I, I don't see them as much as I would love to see it. I don't see it happening yet until they are ready to actually move forward with movies with that character in them. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, man, dude. I mean, of course. And everything you're saying makes sense. So I don't think I don't think we're gonna see a Miles Morales until Spider Man home wrecked <laughs> with all of the home titles. But yeah, no, I think I think that's gonna be a big thing of you know, we're gonna find out Tom Holland is at the end of his run, he's gonna be hanging it up and yeah. the next logical predecessor is Miles Morales. And that's going to be a huge fucking deal. Like, like just the press release alone is going to be gigantic. This next rumor is wild. <laughs> Brace yourselves. Embrace. Ben Affleck, Daredevil, will show up in Secret Wars. <laughs> I, wow. Wow. That would blow my fucking mind. If if Ben Affleck's really ready to put the red tights on and and do that again, that would fucking blow my mind. Look at what they did for Andrew Garfield though in the no in that's, No Way Home. That's really that's a really good point. What if you could, what if you could what if you could make people fucking love you know Ben Affleck's Daredevil? Yo, and I'm I'm the guy that hated Garfield Spider Man. Like I didn't I. People are like, oh, those movies suck, but he was good. And I still was like, no, I, I didn't like him. But 
coming out of home, out of no way home. Like, God damn, he was the show stealer. Yeah. So I want this to happen. And you guys said something a couple months ago that, like, it wasn't who's going to be in it. It's who's not going to be in it. Yeah. And that they're just going to, like, approach everybody that's been in these superhero movies from, like, Fox and Sony you know, and maybe he's got some bad taste in his mouth from DC. Like maybe he wants to come to Marvel and fucking do some cool shit. Like I'm all for it. Well, there was the rumor last week of him, you know, uh, being uh, Dario Agger, you know, the the head of Roxon. Maybe that meeting was about him coming back and playing uh, Daredevil in Secret Wars. I don't know. We'll see. I. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, Captain oh Marvel. Oh, go ahead. Uh, like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but can you imagine, like, like let's say Brian's worst fear is is true and this is a watered-down Charlie Cox daredevil in yeah. this movie. Ben Affleck looks at him and he's like, why are you so soft? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, Paul! That would make, dude. That would be. That would be. That would be like the joke of Secret Wars. I would fucking. I would fall out of my fucking seat with that one, man. He's like, oh man, like haven't you got like bigger? Like, yeah, why haven't you got softer? I think it'd be great if they fucking played that 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 Evanescence song when he shows up. up His figure, like an action figure, should have came with a fucking seesaw, you know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> fucking I feel like me as Daredevil. Fucking ridiculous, man. Uh, Captain Marvel has a large role in Kang Dynasty specifically. It's interesting. I, I Joe, man, my money, money was on Shang Chi. Yeah, same. Yeah, and especially with with um. Uh, with Destin Daniel Cretton being the the director on it, it just yeah. some, seemed like that would be the logical choice for it. Mm-hmm. Nick Fury will be in Kang Dynasty more than just a post credit scene, like in Infinity War. So nice to see more Samuel Jackson playing Nick Fury, a larger role in the Kang Dynasty. That's awesome. Yeah, especially since, you know, they gave us such a tease of what he's been up to ever since the, the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to, to see him taking a larger role in it again. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, if, if Captain Marvel has a large role in King Dynasty, she's got a relationship with Nick Fury. It only makes sense. Okay, yeah, yeah. I hadn't even considered that angle. This is obvious, but yeah, Toby and Andrew will be in Secret Wars. So yeah, I think yeah, it's obvious. Come on, they got to come back. Oh, they got to yeah. come yeah, back. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, they're uh, leaving money on the table if they don't bring them back in again. Yeah, hopefully that'll like generate some more excitement to see these guys play these characters more. I don't know. I love I. I'll take either one of them. I'll take a spy. I'll take a. I'll take a Spider-Man three with Toby, or I'll take a fucking. Uh, excuse me, a Spider-Man 4 with Toby or an Amazing Spider-Man 3 with Andrew. I'll take either one. God, yes. Um, Peyton Reed has actually had some conversations about directing Secret Wars. I think – I could be wrong here, but I think Greg Alenti called that 
like, <laughs> like, like months and months ago. I think Handy Greg called that. So, yeah. Uh, Chris Evans will be back for Secret Wars. And I can tell you the moon joke in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be paid off. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering about that. I, I'm kind of glad to hear that they're going to loop back to that and, and give us an answer to what the hell that means. Yeah. And what the fuck does that mean? What does it mean? Uh, no big symbiote usage in Secret Wars. Makes sense. Makes Thank sense. That's the yeah. I, I hope when they introduce that, they do it the right way and do it in a in a in a Spider-Man story. But it's just with with what Sony's already done with the character. I I, I and even with seeing him in in the one um, uh, credit scene, I'd still like to see the MCU give a a a, a more comic accurate take on on Venom as a character and and why he has the feelings he has towards Spider-Man and all that. Red Hulk isn't the only Hulk in Captain America New World Order. That's not – that's – I mean, yeah. I guess it's just more confirmation of that because uh, My Time to Shine Hello has said it as well. Expect multiple Hulks in Captain America New World Order. I, I've said Red She-Hulk. Uh, who knows? Scar might be in this one, hopefully with a new haircut. Um, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, expect more Hulks in Captain America New World Order. This last one, this last one is fucking awesome. Check this out. Bruce Banner Hulk is in Deadpool 3. What? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that would be very exciting. What do you think, Joe? post credit scene? Or do you think like in the fucking movie? Let's toss it in the movie like fucking Pesci with uh... – Gibson and Glover. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. it, it would almost be more exciting to, to see that more savage Hulk, you know, that, that we had from the early phases. Yes. Than, than, than smart Hulk. Yeah. With those two, because smart Hulk, it's like, he's, he's more of a cerebral character. Whereas I would love to see, like Savage Hulk being annoyed as shit. It's rated people. R, Joe. Yeah. Come I mean, on. You could really get away with some wild shit there. Or it's like you could could we have something where it's just a, a different like multiverse version of of Banner and so then we get to kind of have our cake and eat it too where we can get this different version of the character. Yeah. They can do whatever they want with him and not have it affect the main continuity. I want to see Hulk rip somebody in half. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to see like the version of Hulk. Like, do you remember when Hulk picked up Loki and started slamming him? I want to see him do it with a regular human and just turn him into street pizza. Oh, oh my God. God. Yes. <laughs> well, cause yeah, you could do that to Wade and just totally yes. annihilate him. Yes. And then they wouldn't be treading over that same shit they did with Juggernaut in the second one with him ripping him in half. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. With the lo- with the Loki callback with that with 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 Wade would be incredible. Yeah, that would be fun. And being able to do it in rated R like that'd be so gross. Oh, it would be. It would be. <laughs> you got Wolverine just like smiling as it's happening right smoke smoking a cigar and being just just pleased to watch somebody else fuck this annoying guy up for a while 
<laughs> so good. I can't. I, I I'm telling Joe. Is it fucked up that I'm looking more forward to Deadpool three than I am Secret Wars? Is that wild? No. No, I'm I'm right there with you, dude. It's um I've been so excited ever since they dropped the news of this. It's like almost living in like a dream. Like, are you serious? We're really going to get this? And yeah, I mean, I was saying, I think on the last episode, this is my most anticipated comic book movie coming up. I'm right there with you. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. It's it's Deadpool three. Do oh, yeah. we got some movement on the Blade movie? I think. Oh, oh, that's exciting. I think we did. Yeah, I'm not gonna look up the story now. Look it up yourself. Do do a Google. <laughs> 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 Hold on, I'll look it up. Yeah, Marvel's Blade movie, all the updates from the film so far. No, nobody knows anything. You guys don't know nothing. Reportedly starts filming May 2023. There we go. That's from uh, CBR.com. The rumor is it's going to be start. It's going to start filming in May 2023. So it looks like they got a story. Hey, great. That's good. What is that? All right. Yeah, he's ready to move on into DC news. Some great fucking uh, possible leaks there, guys, for for Marvel. I thought uh, I enjoyed a, a lot of those. Yeah, let's jump into. Yeah, I'm excited. Are you excited, Paul? I am. Yeah, I really am. Settle down there, Jesse Spano. I'm so <laughs> excited. I'm so scared. Yeah, I'm we, so scared. I oh yeah, you, you caffeine pill addiction. I took some no dose. Yeah, no shit. Just fucking whatever. I drank some Red Bull. I, I, I snorted some Pez, not Pez, uh, Pixie Sticks. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, then the ne- and then the next week, Carlton ODs on actual speed on the Fresh Prince. Is that true? It, like it wasn't too far after the I'm so excited episode where like Will was taking speed to like study and Carlton thought it was like acne shit. Oh, and had to have his stomach pumped. I'm excited for season two of Bel Air in February. I need to watch that. When you said that Carlton Banks was one of your best actors of the year, yeah. it made me want to get into that. Dude, it's a great fucking show. Dude, it's a like, great I fucking heard show. Some cool stuff about like Jeffrey in that show. Oh, dude, you won't believe Jeffrey in that show. I know. I've, I've been hearing <laughs> some stuff, man. Like, I need to get into that. It was like the. It, it was like they watched that show Pennyworth with the uh, with Alfred, and they were like, "Yeah, I'm, let's give him a let's give him a badass past," you know. Dude, I'm oh, hearing like cool. mafia ties. Yeah, like, I'm in. I'm into it. <laughs> Yeah, if you're watching this to like get the nostalgic feelings that you got from like the original Fresh Prince, which was the comedy, it's nothing like that. It's like, it's like a, it's taken a story, the story in a much darker and 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 with more drama than than you ever saw. And but it's still great. Both things. I didn't think it was gonna work, and it fucking it it worked. I love it. And the actor that they got it is to play to play Will. It, it, he's fantastic. He still. Ha- even though it's like such darker material and, and and more drama, it's he still shines through with that Will Smith charm that you saw in the original show. It's 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 wild. It's, it's a great show, man. 
And it's all from like a viral video made during quarantine. I heard about it. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I heard that. Yeah, that's where it came from. It's it was wild. like a 90 second little spot. And Will Smith is like, hey, let's let's fucking do this. Yeah. He's like, what this platform slaps. is it on again? It's on Peacock. Okay, right on. Yeah. Highly recommend. I think the new season comes on uh, February 23rd. We got DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. All right, you fucking pieces of shit. (laughs) Best bumper of all time. (laughs) Best bumper. I know. I was like, let's... Yeah, we'll have Batman eating a vagina, and then I'll insult our audience. Yeah, this girl gets fucked raw, and then she's insulting everybody that listens. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's like, she's you like, went black label before DC did. I did. You fucking did it, man. I was talking about Batman eating pussy long before, way before anybody else. God, I think they owe you like royalties, man. They do. You owe me, DC. You owe me. <laughs> Actually, they owe me for wasting the last decade of my life covering their fucking shit that they're <laughs> that they're that they're just trashing. Uh, the final the 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 final fucking movie should just have a post credit scene of like fucking James Gunn like throwing the entire library into a trash can. <laughs> just picking up all the fucking Blu-rays and just dropping them in a trash can. Ah, at Thwipped on Twitter said James Gunn met with Michael B. Jordan recently, but unsure if it's about Static Shock or another project. It's got to be about that Superman thing, right? Come on, to be. that was my first thought. Too. Yeah, I don't think it's about Static Shock. I think it's about are they going to go forward with uh, with. Uh, with the, with the Superman project that he was tied to, not not saying he was going to be playing Superman, but he was he's part of that team, right? You don't talk to Michael B. Jordan about Static Shock. You yeah, talked about Superman. Yeah, the fuck, the fuck, right? <laughs> Come on, man. They need to do that soon too, while he's still got all that Creed bulk on. Yeah, yeah. Sick of these fucking articles that are talking about these <laughs> these these fucking transformation that these stars go through, and they're like, "What was the one I read the other day?" Jonathan Majors ate sixty one calorie sixty one hundred calories a day. He cut out French fries, and uh, yeah, I, I saw that too. Hugh Jackman eats five chickens in a day, like. Or whatever. He, he he ate an unreal amount of chicken breast to get to where he got in some of these fucking... That's what they're saying. They're not going to tell you that these guys are on fucking growth hormone. They're not going to tell you... They're not going to tell you that shit. They're not going to tell you. They're not going to tell you. The man who's almost 50 that just... He just put on 30 pounds of muscle in three months. That's doable. Yeah. It's like the rock. Chicken. Chicken and rice, my friend. Yeah. Man, I just – 6,100 calories and I hit the gym really hard. You know, and they talk about like how they can only eat at certain times. They got to work this at certain times. They got to check their, you know, levels on, you know, insulin levels or whatever. The I don't know what they're doing. I, I, I do know what they're doing. 
but they just won't they, nobody will own up to what they're doing <laughs> you know what they're doing but they won't tell us yeah there's no way there's no way yeah you can't do that I, still they put the work in even if you you're, you're on fuck even if even if you're juicing you got to put the work in yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it isn't like you're going to inject yourself in the ass with this thing and the next morning you're going to wake up jacked. Yeah. It's like, no, it's just going to help you actually get results in the gym. And it's going to it's going to boost what you're doing. It's it's not going to just do it for you. Well, do you know how hard it is to put on like 5 pounds of muscle? Like if you're doing it naturally, I mean, you're going to get great gains at first naturally, but you're going to hit your genetic ceiling eventually um, and to where like you're only getting – it'll take you a year to put on a pound of muscle, you know? And then the next year you might put on another pound of muscle if you're lucky and like – but everybody's different genetically. It's just – everybody does have a genetic ceiling though. Like and and what steroids and, 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 and all this shit does is it pushes you past that and you can achieve things – very quickly and um there's no oh, i don't even want to get into this I mean, they'll just talk about like they'll talk about their their exercise regimen and how many calories they're eating and it's like whatever man whatever if you look at early pictures of like of certain uh actors like uh, Chris Evans. There's like an early picture of Chris Evans, like, and he he's he's shirtless and he looks like he's thin as a rail. It's unreal. He's thin as a rail. And then you compare that to his look in like you know Captain America: The First Avenger, where he, like they you know he takes you know he's got his shirt off after they inject him with the you know the super soldier serum, and it's like you know he's cut, he's jacked, he's huge, and I mean. I guess it could be natural. I don't know. Yeah, but that's like also their full-time job is to just be able to work with like the best trainers around them and not have to do a regular day-to-day and just get the best stuff to them. Like that's yeah, fucking great. It's fucking it, cool. Sure. They're uh, – Yes, they're going to have like, you know, their, their private chefs, their diet, their their personal trainers and all that stuff. Paul, even if you put a regular person through that with with all that, I don't think without the help of like. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I, I was hinting towards the help of. It does help. Yes. Of that stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But they also are able to. That's all they have to do is work out every day, too. Mm-hmm. With that added to it, like you're going to look like a fucking superhero. Yeah. Let's see here. Oh, uh, news from ComingSoon.net. James Gunn details casting approach confirms January DCU announcement. So it basically um, he says uh, we've we have hundreds of roles to cast, as I've always done. Some will be brand new faces. Some will be actors I've worked with before and some will be actors you know, who I've never worked with. What matters most is the actor fits the role and they're easy to work with. And, um, in a follow up tweet, Gunn responded to a fan that asked whether or not some DC, future DCU projects would still be announced in January. Gunn confirmed they would, but didn't offer up anything beyond that. Um, so that's what, that's really what we have to look forward to is he said by the end of the month, we're going to be getting some announcements. And so I think like with those announcements, he's going to be releasing probably some titles of maybe 
uh, movies and shows that we're going to be getting. It doesn't sound like we're going to get casting announcements. It sounds like that's probably going to be a longer, um, more uh, detailed and rigorous kind of, uh, you know, plan of action for him going forward. He's got to find the right actors for the right. Um, but, uh, yeah, we should find out some, that'll be huge, Joe, Paul, to find out what, what he's got planned. I mean, we know we're going to get a Superman project probably, you know, he'll probably definitely announce that officially, but it'll be, uh, do you think there's going to be any like curveballs? Like, like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Like, holy shit. I, wow, we're getting that? I don't, I don't know if it's a curveball, but I feel, I feel like, I feel like we're going to get a booster gold announcement in January. Yeah. Because yeah, that'd said, be fun. That would be awesome. Like, he has said that he did like a poll or something and people want to see a booster gold. So I don't know if it's too out of the realm of being like, like unpredictable but for like the casual it'd be like who's that what do you think like a lot of people have been saying a lot of people have been saying you know he said he might work with pratt again chris pratt a lot of people have been saying chris pratt is booster gold Mm. wow i don't know i i i would love to see a booster gold movie but like what you were saying that there's so many casuals out there that have no idea who that is and with them restarting this it just feels like they're gonna go back to basics on it but i could see how that would also maybe be not preferable since we've just had a whole bunch of those characters over the years and it hasn't always worked i don't know and and this this announcement's coming yet in january yeah, he says it's coming by you know, i mean he promised us That's like next week this week and next is yeah Man, if, if 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 I was like if DC hired me and was like you get to cast Booster Gold, I'm going with Jeremy Allen White. Hmm. Like, give me the guy from the Bear. I just haven't seen his Gold. comedic range. He wasn't like I thought he was. Like, I mean, Shameless is like a dark comedy, and he was pretty good in that. Yeah, I haven't seen that, so I just watched that. Yeah, he had some funny bits in Shameless. Mostly, mostly, he was kind of a tragic character that kept getting in his own way. Yeah, like he had the dark comedy stuff going for him. But I don't know. I just kind of want to see him in whatever I can get him in. And I would love to see him as Booster Gold because I do love mm. Booster Gold. I love Booster Gold too, but I think I, I don't know if I'd cast him. I'd cla- you know, I don't know. I mean, I... Th- as far as like uh, um, Hal Jordan, people have been saying Glenn Powell. It just makes sense. Pilot, you know. Oh, yeah. That'd be great yeah. casting. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, that's all I got, guys. We're done with this. Let's put this fucker to bed. How's that sound? Fun <laughs> <laughs> time. Was it, Paul? Would you have fun? I did. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Joe, did you have fun? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Did you? <laughs> I did. I, I don't know what did you have fun, Joe? With, with, like, keep having to clear my throat, man. It's like, am I ever going to get over this fucking cold? I know. The way of water needs to fucking make its way to your fucking throat. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you 
almost a liter while we've been recording. Jesus, invest in some cough drops, for Christ's sake. <laughs> it's all up in this bitch. Ridiculous. Every time I called you, I was like in fear that you was going to have to hear you clearing your fucking throat like you're Kevin Smith <laughs> after smoking a joint. <laughs> Kevin Smith on every podcast, he's like smoked up so much that he's like, <clears throat> it's like, Jesus, Kevin. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Sober up, man. Anyway, what are we doing next week? What's going on next week? What I got next week? I'm gonna pull this up here real quick, everybody. Ah, oh, shit! My turned my phone off. I forget. I I turn I turn my phone off when we record most weeks, guys, and so I won't keep you here to wait for me to turn it back you on. About, like what we got on Good Pop, Bad Pop next week? Yeah, yeah. What were the Let's big? We got uh, shrinking. Don't give them everything. Get don't give them everything give though. Everything. Yeah, just just the just tip, yeah, Joe. just the just tip. The tip. The tip. Tickle the clit just a little bit, Joe. Tickle the clit just a little bit. Just a free <laughs> hit, baby. <laughs> got uh, you people from Netflix. Oh, oh yeah, that's the uh, that's J- Jonah Hill Jonah and Eddie Hill Murphy. And Eddie yeah. Murphy. And yeah. Neil Long. Yeah. Yeah. What if he? What if he? What if he said, "I'm going to go by Edward Murphy from from, from now on"? <laughs> <laughs> would that be weird? It would be kind of weird, yeah. I would never be able to do it though. I'd still want to call him Eddie Murphy. I wouldn't. I don't think I could make the switch. You know. I think people would, would reject it. Like I think people would reject it, just like America rejected Coke too. We'd be like, no, we're not calling. <laughs> we're not calling you Edward Murphy. Edward Murphy sounds like my fucking accountant. Yeah, <laughs> shut up, Eddie. <laughs> what else we got, Joe? What's a, what's a big one? Did we did you name the big ones? I yeah, shrinking and you people are the only ones that like stuck out to me that I recognize the the titles. Otherwise, everything else on here is going to be a surprise to me. G- give me a, give me one of the surprise ones. Ant-Man, um, Quantumania. No. <laughs> we're, we're a couple weeks out from that. Oh, shit. Uh, there's something on Paramount Plus called Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Is there any theatrical releases? Uh, nope. Everything on here looks like it's streaming. And there's uh, one thing that looks like we got a screener for. So that'll be fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Actually, the, the director reached out to, uh, to, my, to, to myself to have uh, uh, Josh Davis review one of his movies. And then he oh. sent, sent me over the link as well. So we'll watch that. Um, it's got a good cast. I th- I'd have to look at it. I think I'll – I don't want to speak because I'll probably say a name and that person's not in it. And I'm thinking of a different movie. Anyway, <laughs> no, that does have yeah, it's American Murderer. It does have a very good cast. Yeah, Tom yeah. Pelfrey, Ryan Felipe, yeah, Menzel, Jackie lo- Weaver, Paul Schneider. Yeah, yeah, Jackie Weaver. I love Tom Pelfrey too. He was great in Ozark. Yes. Yeah. Paul. Yes. Tell people about your podcast again. Yeah, absolutely. It is Apple to Oranges. We are an Apple TV Plus review show. Um, right now, we're strictly going back to our roots and covering Mythic Quest. Uh, Rob McElhenney is doing some of the best work he's ever done. I love listening to people try to say his last name and fucking it up. 
Did I fuck it up? Oh, 100%. Okay. You said Mekalehani or whatever. I Mekalekahai, Mekahani, how he sounded like Jambi from Pee Wee's Playhouse there for a second. Mekalehani? It's Mackelhenny. Mackelhenny, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and, uh. <laughs> I'm a dick. I'm that, sorry. That's okay, dude. <laughs> you be the best dick you can be. That's me being your hype man, dude. You fucking do you. Ah, uh, the um, subtle art of not giving a fuck. And also, um, I would love to give, I know we talked about this before, Brian. I would yeah. love to give a huge shout out to this wonderful community that is the leftover army. Um, you know, I know I have not been quiet about what I do as a teacher and especially as what my theme is this year. That is, uh, Thor and, um, I'm going to go back a little bit. When I was at my school last year, I started a comic book club, which was a huge success. And one of your listeners, who is one of the coolest guys that I've had the privilege to meet in person this summer is Joe Vitale. Oh, yeah. And this this guy came with, like, gifts for my kids. And fucking um, he was just – he loved the idea of doing – oh, shit. He – of doing a comic book club for like kids in high poverty that might not have a lot of access to this medium. And, um, I didn't know I was going to leave the school, but he made our comic book club, um, like an exact replica, an exact replica of me all near. Um, he 3d printed it. He painted it. The thing looks fucking like, it looks like a movie prop. Um, and oh, he sent awesome. it to me in the summer and then I started at this new school and, you know, I got the Thor theme and I finally brought it in and it's just, this theme has taken a life of its own where I've incorporated so many projects. I've incorporated like assessments, um, to be like, we're trying to build our own Mjolnir in the classroom, um, I made a puzzle and kids that can say all their alphabet. Like we put a puzzle piece of me all near and we put their name on it and we've almost built the whole thing. But Joe made this beautiful replica and I brought it into the class and I don't want to give a lot away, but um, I teach two classes and in the morning. I get more time with the morning class and that's when I do my social emotional in the afternoon class they come in and we have this one kid that has just been through some stuff that no five-year-old should ever have gone through. And a lot of people don't, don't really look at what's happened before. They just look at the now. So the kid's been kind of written off and, you know, I like, I love, I love the well-behaved kids. If I could clone a whole class of my best behaved kids, I would. But there's just something inside of me that I'm drawn towards, like, these misunderstood, quote-unquote, naughty kids that, like, I have to find I have to find out what makes them tick. And um, something happened where I was able to get him in my morning class where I can teach him, like, the social-emotional stuff, kind of get him to identify his feelings. Because I don't get to do that in the afternoon. It's just all reading. But in the morning, I get 30 minutes to to get to know these kids and 
and talk to them about feelings and kind of just getting them to be like, you know, learn how to interact with people. And I finally got this kid after months of advocating to get him in my class. And, you know, like the kid by all accounts is naughty, but he just needs attention. Like he wants to feel like a part of a group. And um, my first week having him, our last day, all of the power went out at our school, like a power line went down. And this kid has gone through abandonment issues. So like being alone, like being in the dark fucking freaked him out. And when he freaks out, it's not just like I'm scared. Like he gets violent, like chairs get thrown, like fucking he runs out of the room and I'm trying everything in my arsenal to get this kid to calm down. And it just happens to be the day I brought me all near and I go in my little closet and I pull it out and he's just staring at, he's like, that's me all near. I'm like, dude, good for you for knowing that because you're amazing. But I go, you need to be our Thor. Like power's out. You need to be our fucking Thor. Like, let's do this. Dude, for like that whole day, kids are crying. He's got this hammer. He's walking up to kids and being like, how can I help you? Ah. So like Joe Vitale, I sent him the picture of this kid just proudly holding the hammer. Like he was our hero for the day. And I'm not going to lie and say every day since then has been a good day, but we haven't had any thrown chairs. We haven't had any fucking, um, you know, hitting other kids. Like, I made a chart for this kid. If you, it, you know, like if you sit and listen nicely, you get check mark. You get four check marks in a day. You get to hold the hammer. Like Joe Vitale has really helped this kid see the superhero inside of himself. Like, and that's just one of your listeners just being a fucking cool guy that has made my life easier. But, um, in like every day when we start school, we have this thing called launch where it's kind of like assembly pep rally type thing. And on Wednesdays we have to do like classes are encouraged to do kind of like a skit and no one's done anything. So I'm like, okay, we have the Thor theme. What can I do? And one night I'm on Amazon and I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be kind of funny if like all of my K5 kids did like a performance to Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine from Love and Thunder. So I just like make a wish list of like inflatable guitars and sunglasses. I think the whole thing came out to like four hundred dollars. And on Wednesday night, I put this up at like 7 o'clock. And at 7.20, I have all of but one of the fucking 23 items fulfilled. And it's not from my coworkers. It's not from my friends in Milwaukee. It's not from my family. It's all from leftover Army members. It's from Steve Mysell, Joe Vitale, Christopher Edwards... Larry Madey, Janine Daling, like some of them are anonymous, but just kind of seeing where it was shipped from or where it's like, okay, I know you're an army member. So I just, I just have to give a huge thanks to this fantastic community 
that will not give up on just like the youth and just like all you got to do is tie pop culture into it. And this community, this leftover community has never failed to just show up. And I need to thank everybody from the leftover community that has liked it, shared it, messaged me just saying, oh, like, I wish you were my teacher. Like, eh, maybe you don't. Sometimes I have to put you in a timeout, but, you know, whatever. But, like, man, dude, Jake, Joe, Brian, you guys have one of the best fan bases in all of the Internet. And it just needs to be pointed out, man. It just has to. That's awesome. I'm, yeah, they've really come through. I mean, they've come through for me. They've come through for Jake. We have some amazing listeners, and that's how I met you, Paul. I mean, that's why you're here today, man. It's awesome. I know, man, dude. Like, my life is 100% better because of this community. And what, like, what gets me going through the day and what puts a tear in my eye is that it's not just affecting me now. It's affected my own personal kids, but it's affecting 60 kids from some terrible home situations. And I get to tell them every day that there's people out there that will root for you just for wanting to get up in this world. Like, and the leftover army does that. And it's fucking crazy. Like I said, like my friends here didn't donate. My family didn't donate, but these people, some of who I've met at C2E2 and a lot of which I've never actually physically met have showed up to invest in tomorrow. And it just makes me like want to cry, want to go out and like scream at the top of my lungs. Like I'm Highlander or something. Like it's just, it's a fucking euphoric feeling and, and PCL has given me this high. And I can't thank you guys enough for that. It's awesome. That's awesome. That's really incredible. Uh, I so before I forget, no, Paul, that's awesome. Before I forget, I've had I had three people send me Christmas gifts, Christmas gifts in the mail. Fuck yeah! I've been, I've been like, I've had them. I just haven't opened them yet because I want to open them on the air and I keep forgetting to just fucking put them next to me as I'm recording. Do it, baby. No, we'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. <laughs> I'll do it next week. They got to wait another fucking week. Got to wait another fucking week. They got to wait another fucking week. I'll put it in my notes to remind you. I just, Joe Vitale, and you've sung his praise. The guy is a fucking god among men. Yeah. He's awesome. He's going to be at C2E2. I'm going to get to meet him. Oh, man. So exciting. The fuck you doing, Paul? You going to C2E2, you son of a bitch? Uh, The fuck you doing? I'm going to try. The fuck? There is no try. Don't make me fucking quote Yoda. (laughs) I'll be there. (laughs) I'll be there. You better fucking find I don't care if you have to hitchhike. It's only 90 miles away. Fuck. What's my excuse? Yeah, you got none. (laughs) (laughs) you better get there it wouldn't be it would no it won't it won't be the same if you're not there paul oh man that means a lot that means a lot thank you won't be the same man i gotta hang out with you again ah fuck shit
Joe, I, you regretting this decision? No, no, not at all. <laughs> oh my god! Before I forget, the Last of Us podcast, fucking amazing. Oh come on, get it, the fuck! I, I, I ain't heard one fucking good thing about it yet. Oh, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it. Thank I, you. I Nobody, I, I didn't hear dick from anybody. Oh, I, I liked it, dude. Well, I thank fucking, you. It was great, man. Like you got so many different voices on it. Like it's, I fucking loved it. I can't wait. Like I'm not gonna lie, I can't wait until we get to the Nick Offerman stuff and the Murray Bartlett stuff to hear you guys break down. I haven't like, watched the new episode yet, Joe. No, I haven't got a chance to watch it yet either. Yeah. It's my plan to to watch it right after work tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, I'll so watch it tomorrow. Just staying away from spoilers online, browsing through Reddit, and they're like, "This is the spoiler thread for episode two. And it's like, mm-hmm. "Scroll, scroll." Yeah, I'll watch it tomorrow. <laughs> well, I haven't watched a new episode either, but I know from the first episode, the weeks to come, they show Offerman and Murray Bartlett yeah. together. I'm like, okay, I, I don't need anything else in my life. Like, let's see these two guys together. I'm at this is man. I'm fucking done, man. I'm fucking done with this episode, Joe. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to suck your dick too hard. I'm fucking. Done. I'm done, man. I'll spit. Let's put this motherfucker to bed. <laughs> do you want to try to do the outro with me, Joe? You gonna fuck this uh, up yeah, too? Let's do it. You wanna fuck yeah, this up knows. too? We're huh? gonna find out. Yeah, you. You already fucked up. You might as well bookend this bitch, Joe. Fuck up the end. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> All right. And until next week, we're putting a lid on it. You did okay. You did okay. That was good. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Way better than the like the beginning, which Paul still said you were fine. But Paul I mean, was... when you listen to this compared to the beginning, this is Oh now now you're coming around that he fucked up the beginning. Fine, you know both sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you next week. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that.